Only one thing I can think of. Nuclear option. Way too big a risk. How big a risk? Planet threatening. So, what is it you're gonna do? Fall to open. Fall to open. Yes, and what do you do? Those are powerful, intelligent creatures. I'm backing them. Don't be stupid. They will kill you. I don't think so. See you later. Here comes the drums! Oh, here it comes, the sound of drums. Here Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, the entire television program, every single story that's ever been broadcast on the tube in random order. I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Chris Taylor. I'm the real Chris Taylor. All you other Chris Taylors are just imitating. And I uh, am one of uh, the two guys on this podcast. We're just a couple of guys, a couple of journalists. We've written about Doctor Who a lot in the past. We love the show. We love being very random in uh, talking about the show. This is a way to be structured and random by going on a very random journey through the archives of the history of the television show Doctor Who. Pete, where on earth... And in the universe, have we been? Previously on Pull to Open, our first <laughs> episode of 2023 a few weeks ago uh, was actually a clip show. Yes. <laughs> so we did all of our ratings, and the reason I'm bringing it up <laughs> is because uh, we, little, little, not little known, but... We've upgraded our codex, guys. The yes. open codex is fully armed and operational. It now has tons of, well, not tons, but it has all of our ratings. And we've gone back and retconned our ratings in that show, the first one of the new year, so that all mm. of our ratings are now up to date, including our two newer ratings, the Bicount Count Banger, uh, which are reserved for the best of the best, and, of course, the Professor Hater which yes. is a uh, not so good episode, but per, at least we learned something. Always so learned something. Check that out. It's a good, it's a good listen. Uh, then we were rocketed forward. No, we were rocketed backwards. Sorry, but we were rocketed forward in time because it was in 2023, the following week. So <laughs> in that sense, it was rocketed forward, but no, we went back way back in time to the celestial toy maker. Our it first was uh, a yeah. episode of the podcast. And it was rocketed back because prior to the clip show, we'd been at the gunfighters and celestial toy makers one story before the gunfighters. So it was quite extraordinary random behavior by the randomizer. Yeah, we were on, on a bit of a Hartnell kick. Yeah. And then uh, we jumped forward to the Fifth Doctor era, season 19. We did a little two-episoder known as Black Orchid. Nice Indeed. siesta in 1925 England. Uh, one thing I wanted to note about that one, we did talk about getting a bingo card of all the two-episoders of the classic series. And yes. we thought we were getting close. And then at, upon reflection, as I was listening, I was like, wait a minute there's the same mistake we made when we were thinking about three episoders, which is that it's that, that one season of Colin Baker throws everything off because yeah. they did 45 minute episodes for one season of the classic series. So there's yeah. actually a ton of two episoders in that season 
from Colin Baker. Uh, yeah. so everything from Revelation of the Daleks <laughs> uh, to Mark of the Ronnie to Attack of the Cybermen. Some of them we've done are technically two episodes. I don't know. I always think of those as basically four episodes. Yeah. That together. I mean, if we are counting them as two episodes, then suddenly I'm not so keen to have a bingo on two episodes um, <laughs> in the classic series. Sorry, Colin. Uh, well, love you, Colin. And there is one more proper two episode, which is to say two 25 minute episodes there or thereabouts mm. in the Colin Baker um, era. And that's, of course, the ultimate foe. His last episode is two mm. episodes. So mm. there's that one too. So there's a bunch. This is, it's a bigger bingo card than we thought, but we'll get there. Yeah, I'd forgotten that we we divided up Trial of a Time Lord, didn't we? Uh, yeah, that's that's going to make yeah, it did. easier when when whenever we get to it. But anyway, yes, we we skip forward, and I I really love. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna step on your rhymes here, Pete, by <laughs> say by revealing what we did because basically I, I want to take a look at the overall. We we've, we've if you want an example of what pull pull to open can do for you uh, in terms of giving you the whole gamut of Doctor Who almost at once in a few episodes. We've gone from Hartnell to Davison and now right up to Whitaker, right up almost, almost to the present moment, just a few stories behind uh, Revolution of the Daleks, the new yeah. special 2021, the, the last of the seasonal specials. Um, oh, that's basically. right. Yeah. 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 yeah that's and- true. Bring us very up to date, and we've yeah, so we've done it. We've done, we've sort of covered in in one short hop via Black Orchid, via a brief rest in a nineteen twenty five uh, country house in England. We have skipped across the entire show uh, from Hartnell to Whitaker, and it's it's quite extraordinary to do that and to see them next to each other is very interesting for us. We hope it's interesting for you too. Yeah, it's very interesting to to hear see like the, how the storytelling. Obviously, the storytelling's changed. Obviously, the production values changed a ton, uh, mm. but it's all still Doctor Who. You know, yeah. like the concepts, the the ideas, the um, seeing the TARDIS as is kind of a plot device in both the Toymaker episode and and this one. You know, it's all yeah. it's really the same universe. You know, they're really um, going. It, it's just really all connected. I mean, we draw connections all the time with various segments and things in the program. Uh, but it's easy to do. That's it's like the canvas is there for us. And That's right. And in, in this case, I mean, one, one thing I noticed is like the, the, the challenges of uh, having three companions in the Davison era, uh, oh. you know, which we come straight from like the last. Uh, I, well, I guess Earthshock was the last full story with those three companions. But, you know, I'm, I'm counting Adric as being missing for a part of Earthshock. Um but maybe the last full story with three companions in the Davidson era, uh, right up oh, to no, the Turlo. Remember, Turlo was there for a bit. That's and right. Yes. Okay. Okay. So all the way well, up to Terminus. We've already done. We've actually already done the last episode with three companions. Yes, did, but it, it is so it, it's a mark of the Davidson era that there, you know, there there yeah. were a couple of you know lineups uh, of three companion Tardises, Tardai. It's mm-hmm. the same TARDIS, a three companion TARDIS. And now we go straight to, you know, the, the end of the fam, you know, the, the most recent three companion uh, situation. So, yeah, uh, what, a, what a comparison that we have to talk about. And we'll, do being, we'll be doing a lot of comparisons. This is a lot of interesting things about Revolution of the Daleks. Obviously, as a seasonal special, it's unusual for a lot of reasons. It brings together uh, a lot of things in the Whitaker era. And, re- you know, there's a ton of references uh, it's also this weird length of 71 minutes, which mm. uh, 
longtime listeners who follow TLDW know we have a bit of a dilemma, but that <laughs> we <fine>. do. <laughs> I'm looking forward to finding out how many seconds I get to summarize this thing. Spoiler alert, it's me. Stay tuned for that. Uh, but first, listeners, we're going to go into the pull to open feedback loop where we like to talk about all the chatter around the podcast on social media and beyond. And today we have something beyond social so media. beyond. Yeah, it's actually, guys, we have a review to read on the air because, of course, reviews are a thing that we love to talk about. First thing in the feedback loop because reviews are very great to do for the podcast because all podcasts uh, really thrive on reviews. Reviews really help our visibility in the Apple Podcast app. If you know anything about podcasts, Apple is and Spotify are the two major places people find your podcasts. And the more reviews that people leave in the Apple app, the more visibility the podcast will have. And one great listener has left a review, and I'm going to read it now. And the review is from JC17 underscore Ace, which is very Ace. Yes, I was going to say, it's obviously one of Ace's burner accounts. (laughs) Thanks, Ace. Um, And they say... This podcast is an excited and accessible review of episodes from both the modern and classic episodes of the television show Doctor Who, a show with over 50 years and 300 episodes of content. It is a great listen for anybody and any fan of Doctor Who, new and or old. Chris and Pete have a solid knowledge base and a true Ah. love of this show. Sorry. Most of that. <laughs> I'm talking about the number of episodes in in various stories. Um, the podcast is filled with that love and supplemented with great facts, tidbits, and head cannons galore. Yes, yes. One of the best aspects of this podcast is how they watch through the show in random order. While I was initially turned off by this idea, I've come to appreciate and look forward to the really unique and interesting connections to be made across the timelines. It is great to hear reviews of all the episodes I've seen but just as a, as good to listen about episodes I haven't seen. I've found that the summary and discussion are just enough to sweeten a first-time viewing without ruining my appetite. Hmm. I am working my way through this podcast season three here on Apple and on Spotify slash YouTube. Sylvester McCoy is my favorite, and I can't wait to see the randomizer take the show to more of his episodes. Chris, your wife has a fellow seventh fan out there. Love uh, that's it. what this person wrote, by the way. I'm not, yes. I'm not just interjecting. <laughs> I last know. Sentence, last <laughs> sentence. This podcast is a banger, a Viscount banger. Oh, and they've really, even really spelled they've spelled banger correctly, as in the, <laughs> the, the place. Yes, not not the way that we've uh, bastardized banger, but the original banger. Wow, guy. Yeah. <laughs> What a thing we probably couldn't trademark. And by the way, I should bring it around to <laughs> if you can trademark that. Uh, but what a wonderful review. I love this. Yeah. It's really great. Thank you so much, JC17Ace. Uh, um, what, what my favorite line might be, um, I've found that the summary and discussion are just enough to sweeten a first-time viewing without ruining my appetite, which is exactly kind of what we're going for, right? It's like we uh, yeah. want to give you a taste and then hopefully intrigue you enough to go check it out if you haven't seen it before or rewatch as in a lot of cases and maybe with a little bit of the um sort of insights and observations that we're bringing to it so i i love that they're they're extracting that of uh, they're they're buying what we're selling which is i i love it first of all i love that they're making head cannons uh, uh head cannon is a noun now uh, right. head cannons <laughs> galore um, one word now I love it, but also I, I love that this is someone who was turned off by the the random approach. So right, if, that's you're, good feedback. 
if you're listening to Pull to Open right now and you're like, I don't know if I like this randomness. This this seems a bit too unstable for me. Unstable, unstable. <laughs> um, but but no, uh, see, there are other anti-random people who have been converted. So we welcome we welcome all of you in the non-random Doctor Who cult. You weirdos watching it in regular order. Um, <laughs> Come on over to our side. Uh, the, the water's lovely, uh, as as Ace will tell you. Uh, but I also I love I love that it's like I, I'm a bit concerned sometimes that we we kind of reveal too much about the story that we're basically spoiling right. it. But I also know from from my research into how there are a lot of you know studies on how people process story, and a lot of them say that roughly about fifty percent of the population, it seems, actually prefer a story if they know the spoilers. Uh, which is not necessarily yeah. what you would expect, but it's certainly true for me in a lot of cases. Like, you know, if you're really invested in a story, like, you know, I wouldn't necessarily have wanted the spoiler about uh, David Tennant showing up at the end of The Power of the Doctor. Spoiler if you haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> but that said, I think that, that there are definitely a lot of stories where I feel like I have a better handle going in if I know the story first. I think that definitely applies to a lot of Doctor Who. Mm. And so I'm I'm happy that we don't need to worry too much about spoilers, sweetie, in in pull to open um, because there is a whole fan base out there that actually actually enjoys what we're what we're putting down in terms of giving you some structure before you enter this often confusing you know realm, especially of, of classic who. Uh, yeah, it's good to know and the it, story first. Yeah, and I, I didn't. The only thing I'd have to add to that, um, which I totally agree, there's 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 a happy medium with uh, spoiling things, and it really depends on the audience. But I think there's a mm. lot of people out there who, a lot of our listeners, uh, grew up or are only familiar with the new series, and listen, and then sort of learn a bit about the classic series. And I think as as those people get drawn into the classic series. For, for starters, they probably don't mind getting spoiled because they think they're not going to watch it anyway. But I would hope that as we've talked more about the classic series, the connections that are made, some obvious, some not so obvious, that that has inspired people to probably mm. um, watch the show <laughs> before they listen now because, uh, yes. you know, you might That is another option. Check it out. It if you're in that side of the Doctor Who cult, you can always, you know, we, we do announce at the end of every uh, episode where the randomizer is taking us next. You do get to hear our shocked outrage. It's one of my favorite things when I re-listen to a pull to open is like <laughs> listening to us, you know, <laughs> it's always, it's like me reading out a number, you you with an intake of breath. <laughs> and like, no matter what it is, like we're super excited about where we go. There, it's quite, it's quite charming to listen to. I say, as one of the guys involved in that little scene that we replay every time. Um, but yeah, it's we we encourage you to watch along with us and then uh, listen in, uh, next week and share your thoughts on were we right, were we wrong, were we were we absolutely lying, were we lying about the number of two parters. Uh, tell us. Uh, <laughs> rule, rule number rule number one: pull to open lies. Um, <laughs> but but we do lies. exactly. We do it accidentally. We just we can't keep it straight. So as if um, there was not enough uh, greatness in this review, JC seventeen Ace also gifted us yes with one of our trademark thing, which has become basically our trademark thing, with some Doctor Who emoji episode titles mm. and. 
in true game show fashion, which of course this podcast has already gone well down the slope of becoming a game show with our various segments, uh, I'm going to quiz Chris on <laughs> these three emoji titles, and we're going to see how he does. I, I oh, think God. I figured them out. So this is your first exposure to all of these, I believe, right, Chris? Oh, here we go! My God, I've I've got this plus TLDW. Oh my! I, wow! I, I I really need a no prize. Uh, for, I think for you do. So if you guys remember, uh, Dalton was nineteen sixty three. Used to leave these, and the last time we did this, mm. we were both flummoxed by one in particular. Mm. Um, so I've done a little bit of advanced research here. I think I've got these. I don't have an answer key to be clear, but I've, I've sort of, okay. I think I've worked them out. So hopefully we won't leave anybody hanging on what these are. But Chris, are you ready, sir? I'm or... ready as I'll ever be. All right. So you've got the notes file, I believe. So you can see the emojis. I can see the emojis, but I've, yep. I've got them out of my sight because I want you to describe them to me and I need, yep. I'm going to build them in my head. Okay. And I'm going to, when we do the YouTube, we're going to have them. We haven't done this before, but I'm actually Ooh. saying this live now to t so that I can't get away with not doing it when I cut the video. <laughs> so we're going to have the emojis visible. So here we go. First, okay. um, first puzzle. <laughs> first review. Three emojis. Yes. First one, Easter Island statue head. Okay. Next one, drop of blood. And vampire. So, okay, not full circle. Um, we know that's, uh, no, well, full, no, full circle. What, what was the vampire one that we watched? Um, uh, State of Decay. Oh, God. Yeah, State of Decay. Oh, God, right out of full circle. Um, anyway, totally getting distracted on my, <laughs> my first attempt to answer. Okay, I, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm gonna immediately guess out of the gate Stones of Blood. Boom, boom, boom. Yes. Hey! Stones of Blood. God, I don't know if the vampire is necessary, but, but it does uh, does help nail it down. Yeah, I guess you could um, argue. I think the villain there is the Sarah of Diplos. I forget if she. I think she's a vampire because she like she she was ageless. You know, she mm. was there for hundreds of years and was sort of the same same person. So it's kind of vampire like. Hmm. Uh, okay, ready for the second one? Ready. All right. Again, Feel three okay. emojis. One you got smile emoji with the, the teeth showing. Yes. Uh, you have female cop, and then you have lollipop. Wow. Um, that sounds like a reference to specific story beats and something I haven't seen. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you might, you've seen this one. I'll give you a hint. Uh, it's okay. the era of Doctor Who you rage quit. I... I... <laughs> <laughs> the the McCoy era? When Maybe. Was the, when was the time you rage quit? I'm not going to give you any oh, comments. Yeah, yeah, that was McCoy. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Is it... Um, oh, God. I, I sort of feel like... Is it the Happiness Patrol? Yes! Yes! There it is. Well done. <laughs> I know oh. enough about the McCoy era, even after having rage quit it. Uh, All right. You've done those two. We're going to level up. In terms of difficulty, oh, we're going to level up in terms of number of emojis. Are you ready? <laughs> As I'll ever be. Five emojis. Here we go. Oof. This, the sun. The sun with yes. the face. It's the mm -hmm. face. Fire. Okay. Astronaut. The weird, uh, <laughs> hypnotized, dizzy face with the okay. squiggly, uh, squiggly mouth and loop 
eyes. Looping eyes, yeah. Spiral and eyes. And, and then what was the last one? Door. The last a one's door. a door. Uh, this is... So it sounds like this is a classic... Uh, not a classic Who, because uh, New Who is like when, when there's way much more uh, spacesuit happening. Right. Uh, it makes me think, isn't this the plot of 42... You got it! Oh, <laughs> hour to figure out. I was going through ah. the codex up and down. I was like, is it uh, Impossible Astronaut? You know, <laughs> is it um, Waters of Mars? Because there's like space duty stuff in that one. I was going through all of the New Who stuff. I even went back to Classic Who and I was like, um, is it, you know, the Ribos or something? I don't know. I was just going through anything that, that was even close. I thought maybe the Sunmakers because of the sun. Yes. But that didn't work. And it, I, I finally was like 40. Like I was just going almost episode by episode. And it was like 42. Bam. Yeah. Because yep. you have the sun, the conscious sun creature, spacesuit action. Uh, you have the doors. And then there's the bit, of course, where and spoiler alert. <laughs> I keep saying that. But like the doctor is briefly taken over by it. And it's all like. I guess that's what the, uh, the the eyes are, the eye emoji. You know, I remember so little about 42, but I do remember the sun. Uh, like it, It's pretty much... The, this emoji review is basically all I remember of 42. It just <laughs> happens to have hit the right beats that are stuck in my brain. Uh, I, I had such high hopes for that episode, and it really did not live up to them. Oh, wow. We might, of, be, uh, we might be have a split on that one uh -oh, if we ever get uh -oh. to it. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> I, I think I it was fond memories of 42. I like, I like, I really what, and I remember it a lot, mostly because of that line, burn with me, mm. Martha, oh. uh, which tenant del delivers really well. Isn't it? 42 is immediately followed by human nature, family of blood, blink. Like it really Sounds gets right, yeah. into, gets into a series of bangers after that. So maybe it suffers by comparison. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's fair to say. Mm. I thought it was pretty good. Um, all right. Good stuff. Well, thank you again. Uh, Ace, sorry, JC 17 Ace. Yes, um, thank you for helping me win. Uh, your <laughs> your bribe <laughs> your bribe is on the way, Ace. Thank you for making it easy for me. All right, your no prize is on the way, but you, <laughs> listener, can also win a no prize by leaving a review and have it read live on air. And um, we look forward to that and more emoji titles, which, of course, I will say, remind, go straight to the Codex with credit. So you will be forever part of pull to open in doctor who history by leaving some emoji title reviews uh yes. they've linked out to the original reviews and or tweets if you send them that way which you can do at pull to open 63 on twitter i will add in the in the far future post-apocalyptic earth when the codex is the last thing that has been etched on like platinum uh <laughs> tablets and and distributed to the people who will worship the codex it is your emoji that will last uh into into that uh, dark future so please uh, participate bring on your your uh reviews but also bring on your emoji reviews of stories of the show see if you can challenge me because i'm i'm feeling pretty undefeated right now yeah that was a good um, round you're, you're gonna be a returning champion <laughs> i love it this is like the jeopardy of uh of Doctor Who game shows, uh, <laughs> going to be the the Ken Jennings here. But yeah, great stuff. Thank you, thank you for the review, Ace. Thanks, for, thanks for the challenge. Please, everyone, join in and uh, see what you can do to stop yeah. me. So, returning Guys, to the feedback loop. Yeah, another place you can leave comments, uh, emoji titles, or reviews uh, is YouTube. 
And YouTube's going great. We're, of course, at youtube.com slash pull to open. Uh, we finally, finally finished season three of the podcast on YouTube. So our entire season three is up there. So we've fully caught up on season three. Um, oh, no, sorry, sorry. Um, we're finally up to season three. Season two is complete. My, my bad, my bad. I misspoke. Season three we're now on. So we have a few more in season three, which actually includes a couple of bangers coming up in the next few weeks. We have Girl in the Fireplace and Silence in the Library in Ooh. the next uh, few weeks. So those are coming Wednesdays on YouTube, along with all of our social videos and plot summaries. So watch for those. Those are happening. But season two is all there. You can go season two back to back if you want to. Uh, and we're about at 511 subscribers last I checked, but we really want to get to 1,000 in 2023. So if you do subscribe to the podcast on another platform, uh, please fire up a web browser, go to our page on YouTube, and subscribe there. It's really, really going to help the show. Uh, we also have getting great comments on YouTube. And uh, we have a comment of the week that I would love to just uh, get into here, which is from Nathan Smith. He's a friend of the pod. Comments often. Thank you, Nathan. And... This is on our Black Orchid. Um, I think it's on the, the podcast. It might be on the plot summary. Um, but the he says this. Uh, apparently, the doctor's comment about liking trains as a child was going to be addressed by the half-human backstory of the 90s revival in that the doctor's human mother took him to live with her on Earth for a time. Um, which is this is a good, I love this comment because it's like one information I didn't know. Yeah. Also, two, I it it we we're eager to forget that the '90s movie of Doctor Who did say, if not established, but it did say that the Doctor is half human. Now, hmm. because of the backlash, they've never really returned to this idea or uh, explicitly done anything with it. Uh, they haven't denied it. But yes. they've they've borderline denied it. I'll say, um, but they haven't come all the way up and and said like no, that was a mistake or whatever. But it is it's an interesting era of the program. Obviously, this is the wilderness years. This was mm. the big one shot that was supposed to bring it back and didn't. And uh, they, there was the bold choice where they said the doctor was half human, and if it makes you wonder how the series would have le- would have leaned into that had a series been commissioned from that movie. It's it's interesting because we, we so spoiler alert one thing I think we're going to be talking about a lot with Revolution of the Daleks is the weird priorities of showrunners, uh, mm. you know, and, and and the people charged with with sort of the overall structure of uh, the story of kind of you know revealing stuff about the Doctor's past and looking into the Doctor's past. I just love the idea that a a showrunner like potential showrunner someone on the TV movie you know, hoping that this is going to become a thing. It's like, you know what the audience is really curious about? You remember Black Orchid? <laughs> you remember that <laughs> five minutes at the start where they're talking about trains? Like, I'm sure there are thousands of people out there who remember that. Like, what? Why? Why did the Doctor love trains? Tell us. Um, <laughs> which sort of seems like a thing that, that J&T would do and, and maybe even a thing that Chris Jimnall would do. Uh, it's like, Sort of refer back to this thing that maybe three people remember, um, but I love it. I, I love it. Yeah, you know, for, for us, obviously, we would have been, you know, very, very likely one of those people. Um, and certainly, the <laughs> deeper that we get into Doctor Who, the more we become those people. Um, well, you could <laughs> imagine the people making Black Orchid just throwing this in yeah. and thinking um, 
we're just throwing it in. Well, won't people wonder that were there trains on Gallifrey or something? It's like they can worry about that in season forty. And now here we are, like basically season forty, and and it's like the the joke becomes the real thing, right? So I mean, it's funny. Doctor Who is has you know has a big long history that mm. we just talked about, and we'll continue to do that. I mean, sure, why not? Pull out pull out something from uh, you know whatever era. Whether and we just talked about Mavic Chen because yes. RTD is apparently going to uh, make a reference soon. Um, yeah, you know, tweak on these things. It's it's funny because there there is stuff like that. I think you know probably the primary example is that the Doctor's Twelve Regenerations, right? You know, was always a thing hanging over the show, and Moffat knew that, and he knew that we were all wondering about it, and he would tease us constantly about how he was going to resolve it, and we'd miscounted the generation regenerations and all of that, and then it's finally resolved in time of the Doctor. Right, uh, Doctor gets a whole new round of regeneration, so it is it is legit. It's just also kind of funny, like. You know, <laughs> Revolution of the Daleks answers that question of like, when is the Doctor going to mention Ryan's yellow beanie? You know, uh, <laughs> just it's stuff like that. Of like, it's really weird, misaligned, uh, you know, understanding of what the fan base wants and is curious about sometimes when you're a yeah. showrunner. It's a weird disease that that transcends both classic and modern Who. Um, but well, I love I that also- we've uncovered another one. Yeah, and I, I do. I don't want to sound too enthusiastic about it. Like I do have criticisms of this too, and I, mm. I think they were going to come out in the podcast uh, about Revolution because it is a lot of referencing of things, mm. um, and you can kind of have too much of that, right? Like I, I kind of hope as RTD goes forward, as much as he's going to reference Mavic Chen and other things, um, at some point you just got to sort of get on with it and create mm. your own era and your own things that other people will refer back to. Uh, as opposed to constantly yeah. stirring sort of, I think what we're getting at here is sort of constantly stirring uh, the fan service soup, you know? Yes. And, it's and like- RTD knows that. Like, that, that is so in his blood. He he does that in his sleep. He manages to mingle the, uh, I'm constantly paying attention to the mainstream audience and what they're going to know. And also, I'm going to throw in, like, background references, which don't necessarily impact the whole story, aren't necessary for understanding the whole story, but are going to give the long-term fans and the people who read doctor who comics in the 70s you know they're, they're gonna they're gonna have fangasms watching this right we already know that's kind of what he's going for but he, he does that you never need to worry about rtd getting the balance wrong yeah. um he just always makes it accessible so it's definitely the way to go cool so uh thank you again nathan for leaving the comment keep on listening keep on trucking uh moving on in the feedback loop just to close it out we're uh, TikTok. We just finished off uh, our second. Was that our, was our second TikTok live that we yes. did today? Which was a great time. Uh, we're doing those at the beginning of our tapings. Uh, we're adding. We're sweetening the deal. You can actually go ahead and give your own. We've already just been inspired to give a, a, a different challenge to the randomizer. That's right. Which we like to do at the end of every episode. Um, and we're going to probably add more things to the mix. So please come tune into lives. Follow us on TikTok at pull to open all one word to find out when they happen. They're going to happen every weekend. Yeah. And, and they're, they're very visual. Things. They're very visual because Pete has so much uh, in his room. So many uh, Easter eggs there. Uh, we just got a fantastic tour. There was a, a Sonic. There was a, a uh, an old book with a wonderful image of the, the six doctors. Yes. There's a Sonic. Um, but there's those. We 
This is the real yeah. Sonic. Love it. You get to see it on TikTok. This is like it's a it's the TV remote control, but it is definitely no toy. It yeah. is very very cool. We we had a random appearance from Jack. It may or may not have been Captain Jack. Um, <laughs> got to got to follow the line to find out. out. Yeah. Yeah. So good stuff. Um, and we're going to do uh, some more on the socials. Uh, so we are on Twitter and Instagram. As I already said, it pulled to open sixty three. So uh, tune in there. Um, do do we have a challenge to our to our TikTok audience? Uh, uh, do we? <laughs> do we? The, the guess <laughs> the guess the episode feature. I see. I see oh, written here. Yes. Oh God. Yes. Okay. So I would love to. Um, I would love to do this. I don't think it's going to work though <laughs> because we uh, the way we time it, hmm. you are going to need to. You'll, the, the podcast will be out. Here, here's, here's the idea was that you would guess what our next episode was going to be, mm-hmm. um, and if you're right, uh, you'll get a you'll get a no prize on TikTok. Um, <laughs> but I need to rethink this because I just realized as I wrote the note and I should have deleted this. <laughs> we actually <laughs> have the podcast post before the TikTok live, so people could just listen to the podcast to find out where we're going next. So yeah, so if you were on TikTok and you have a time machine. Um, <laughs> let us know because you can then participate in this feature. But but I like the idea that you know that we'll we'll have something connected with TikTok Live that will give you the chance to win a guest spot on the podcast for yeah. Q and A. Um, I like this because we are becoming increasingly interactive uh, as a podcast. So this is a great way to do it. You too can be part of the Pull to Open family. Yeah, and we had a fabulous time uh, talking to Phoebe's in the middle of the week. Yeah. Um, or was it was it Phoebes? I think it was Phoebes. Or was it someone else? I forget. But basically, we did a test during the week, and we had a great little conversation with someone who just happened to be around on the live. So you never know when that's going to happen. Um, that's right. And we'd love to come. We'd love to turn that into an official spot. Uh, we'd love more ideas, even from you guys, on how we can make the lives more interactive and fun. So please go ahead and leave comments on TikTok, or just ping us wherever you see us on social or YouTube, and uh, we'd love to uh, respond and. Uh, see what we can do. Yes, and same goes to Twitter and Instagram, where we're pulled to open 63. And, uh, cool. yeah, do we have a lot of Doctor Who news this week? We don't, uh, and I'm anxious to get to the pod, because we obviously mm. had the longer uh, game show segment there, but we did, there, there isn't a lot of Doctor Who news. I just wanted to mention there was a great tweet from uh, one of the official accounts, I forget which one, but Shudigawa was at Bad Wolf Studios, and uh-huh. he's clearly having a great time. He's he's always having a great time in all the little tidbits of behind the scenes that we've gotten. So we really like his energy. But one of the things was that he was by a wall mural that said, this is the home of the Hooniverse, hmm. uh, which is obviously an old term, and it's not necessarily... Um, officially saying anything there but i do feel like it's unofficially saying something there in that we've talked about several times in the podcast the idea of a doctor who sort of cinematic universe in the same way that marvel kind of does it and you know we've talked about the rumors about different shows that might be centered around villains or monsters like the daleks and the cybermen or the or missy or whomever um which again you know you could debate the merits of any one of those things but i do love the idea which this mural seems to suggest, if not confirm, that the the people making Doctor Who now are really trying to think of it beyond just the show. And mm. we're already seeing, I think, the first hints of that with the 
tie-ins to the comic strip now in Doctor Who magazine, and that I feel do I do feel like Russell T. Davies is realizes this not just as a fun thing to do, but just as a thing you kind of need to do to compete with all the other streaming properties out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah so he's creates, a good creator and a, a good sort of business strategist here. Create the Hooniverse, and that's certainly going to keep uh, Dis- the Disney folks very interested. Uh, we did oh, see absolutely. in that in that latest Doctor Who magazine, he's talking a lot about the, the notes that Disney are giving on on the new stories, uh, but also the the budget that aligning with Disney Plus has given them. Uh, it's not ten million an episode. He he denied that rumor, uh, mm. but it is. It's up there, and they seem pretty happy with their budget. So. Uh, it's exciting and it's exciting to see that they are perhaps formalizing and standardizing everything in this terrible mishmash of canon that we call Doctor Who, uh, perhaps into something of a more streamlined Hooniverse, and what a great name for it. Uh, you know, MC, MCU, that, is that a good name? I, I don't know. You debate that, but Hooniverse, that's like, we're, we're going to be proud to use that moniker. Yeah, I think Hooniverse has floated around a bit mm-hmm. for a long time. I'm, I'm pretty sure the term probably first came out in the classic series at some sure. point and was kicked around fan circles, but I'd love to see it fully embraced. It's interesting how these universes get named. Mm. There was, um, actually, I'm not even sure of the origin of Marvel Cinematic Universe, whether that was fan created or top down. Uh, I imagine I was, probably fan credit because it basically had yeah. to differentiate between, you know, uh, the Marvel stuff that has sort of already been out there, right? X-Men, Spider-Man, uh, you know, yeah. before Marvel itself kind of took control. So, Yeah, uh, and then there was um, the DC Extended Universe, which was mm. – that was definitely fan created and it might have been mm. even journalist created in that <laughs> there, was, there was a reference, I think, to what it – this, either deliberately or not – and then it was simply adopted by the fan community and then sort of adopted by the the powers that beat. Obviously, there's been a lot of changes there. James Gunn's in charge. I'm yeah. not sure if he's using the term, but there was something written about this in terms of like, what even exactly is it? Um, honestly, I'm still yeah. not even sure because there's the Arrowverse. This is now we're getting on a ta- tangent here. Yeah, no, we I'm really not, are. not talking about the DC universes. It's just it's terms for universes. Yeah, stop um, me I before I start talking about Star Wars canon. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about the Star Wars screen canon versus, you know, the yeah. legends versus. Uh, yeah, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole because we have plenty of rabbit holes to go down. We do in, in the next segment. Speaking <laughs> of big budgets, oh. Doctor Who, I mm. think that's a good transition to it is. Uh, this episode that we're supposed to talk about finally, which is, of course, a revolution of the Daleks, which is unusual as a New Year special, the last of the holiday specials so far. Mm. And it's, as I said earlier, it's a runtime of 71 minutes. So, Chris, what do you think? What, what, should, what should TLDW be? Which, of course, TLDW is our regular segment where one of us summarizes the plot of the Doctor Who story in question in record time. We allot a full 30 seconds for every 25 minute episode or a full minute for a new series episode. You typically run 45 to 50 minutes. Mm. Um, So this one should probably get you. I'm going to be generous because again, we we have the fast pacing of the new series and they're very, you know, they pack a lot generally and this one packs a lot into its runtime. Uh, I think a minute and a half is fair. 
Okay, I'm I'm not going to dispute that. Um, I I was going to suggest maybe a minute fifteen, but that would be just uh, you know, especially after your experience with Black Orchid last week, Pete, uh, where you, uh, yeah, you you needed some extra time on that one. I have and... blotted out my memory of that. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Don't remember. Uh, it was it was good. It was a good summary. It just you know you you kind of and it, what what I loved was that you just kept charging through even after the minute was up. Uh, and we sort of said that this was, you know, Black Orchid was supposed to be four episodes and lost lost half of its budget. So, you know, we, we gave you a we gave you a buy on that. So, I'm uh, appreciative of the extra time that I have to lose myself down rabbit holes. And yeah, I hadn't even thought of what I'm going to say here. It's all it's all going to come out very randomly. That's how we do it. Live. That's how we do it at TLDW. Too long didn't watch. Too long, do Doctor Who. Um, no notes, you're, you know, no help, no co-pilot mm-hmm. other than me with the timer. And, yes. um, you got a minute and a half. So are you ready, sir? I think so. And my mind has just gone blank on several ep- <laughs> factors in this episode. So, uh, this, this should be fun. Let's see. It'll be fun. Oh yes. The fun, fun official summary of revolution of the Daleks. Here, coming up in three, two, one, go. Okay, so we start with a little bit of a flashback to Resolution. There's there's a Dalek shell coming from GCHQ, and it's being transported somewhere. What's happening? The the, the driver of the truck with the with the Dalek casing in it has been drugged, and and the uh, the casing gets handed over to uh, the the Chris North character, who's the guy from Ragnars in the UK, and and he uh, is uh, talking to the uh, the future prime minister. Uh, played by Harriet Walters, uh, and they they are arranging this whole thing with like the, they're basically going to turn the Dalek into security seconds. drones. Uh, meanwhile, the Doctor's in prison. Uh, she's been captured, but uh, you know, and she's been in there for a long time, far away from the fam. And uh, but what's this? Captain Jack comes to rescue her and uh, busts her out of prison. And they get back to the TARDIS, and they get back to the fam, who are trying to uh, investigate this this Dalek situation uh, because they've seen the leaked video of it. And uh, but it turns out the doctor's been away for 10 months and everyone's very angry with her um but they figure out the dalek situation they figure out that the the uh, the the dalek uh, itself in the casing has been growing a whole bunch of daleks that are going to be beamed into the dalek casings and that they they shoot the prime minister and they shoot everyone uh and the doctor and captain jack and uh chris north basically uh, go around and 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 get the the daleks eradicated by these other daleks that come in and then the doctor destroys the daleks in the, in the emergency backup tardis that they have and then uh, graham and ryan leave the fam and uh, go off on their own with psychic paper, and it's the doctor. And yes. time. Yes. Not Ooh. bad. Wow, I was, Thank I was you. impressed there. You really wrapped it up. <laughs> uh, the, the, the the third act was like ten seconds, I think, in your summary. But um, I was worried because you were just like uh, still in that. It wasn't quite the cold open, but all that sort of early stuff that is like in the first five minutes uh, by thirty. But what when you got to about thirty seconds, so. Somehow yes. you brought it home. That is, I mean, it is just, it's sort of reflective of Re- Revolution of the Daleks itself. And it does wrap things up very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, I do love the scene of wrapping it up, like, with the, the spare TARDIS, is sort of Chekhov's TARDIS. And, uh, you know, we, we uh, from from the Timeless timeless Children, mm-hmm. and it's used to great effect here. I love the image of, like, billions of Daleks flying into the TARDIS. Uh, whoever thought we'd see that. <laughs> 
And then the, the fake How outlet. How are they not bumping into each other when they got into yeah. TARDIS? I feel like they're so nicely like going through that doorway one at a time, somehow <laughs> figuring that out. Then I thought, hey, excuse, what are you doing, man? Like, yeah, you know, like, exactly. What Daleks queue? I mean, that, that's so British of them to, <laughs> to, to queue up nicely and get in the Dalek. But it, it just, I've got to think, say, because this is one of those Dalek stories where the Daleks are like constantly telling you what Daleks do not do. True. Uh, yeah. So I gotta say, I don't think I don't think Daleks queue. I don't think they do. No. Unless, well, they don't queue with others. They, they <laughs> I think maybe there's a standard pecking order. I gotta think maybe every single Dalek has like a QR code, <laughs> and so they kind of all are scanning each other all the time. And then there's like like a clear hierarchy from like the Emperor, or the Supreme Dalek, all the yep. way down to nobody Dalek ZZ four hundred and thirty six or whatever, right? Like. Maybe that's it. And they're just like, okay, like, let's just go by QR code, guys. That's yeah. I, the rankings could be redone depending on how many exterminations you've done. Um, oh, yeah. You could move up and rank. Wow. I like this. This idea of the competitive Dalek society. Got to yeah. say, this this is a great story. If if you like Dalek exterminations and you, mm. you like that sort of the skeleton thing that we, we talked about during when we went to Dalek. Yeah. Um, you know that the, the uh, I believe that was the second Who story with the skeletons appearing during exterminations. There are so many here. I mean, I, I don't think I could even count them. Uh, yeah, well, it's funny you say that. It's one of the things in my notes of like the the production values on this mm. are like, like having this is one of the great things again about this podcast where we jump around and we were recently at Dalek. Relatively, it was a few months ago now, mm. um, but you know, you think about seeing that episode in 2005 and seeing these great modern effects for the time, um, really upgrading the Daleks and making them look sort of awesome on screen finally. And then you, you now we're rocketed forward to 2021 huh. and seeing that like, that's like, it's even way better. Like, I mean, this is like one of the most cinematic doctor who episodes ever made. That's including day of the doctor. Yes. And all the Dalek effects, like the beams themselves, even as they, like they're they're all like top notch like the daleks both versions the defense drone daleks and the new or rather the the new old daleks look great and there's tons of exterminating and ray beams fired all over the place so i'm I'm glad you that i'm glad you had that reaction it is a you're absolutely right it's a very cinematic uh story in the way that it's it's so beautifully shot and coming here from black orchid like I was in in the early parts of Revolution of the Daleks, I was like, "Is is this a Viscount banger?" Um, <laughs> you know, it it definitely has that sort of because it's just so beautiful. Every scene is beautiful. Yeah. The the exterminations just beautiful, which is a weird thing to say. Um, but also, like I got to say, if 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 you if you were a fan of warp warp noises, you know, the have you ever found the TARDIS appearing? Uh, this this is my god this has got to be one of your top episodes because you get so much of it i mean the when the tardis finally appears in graham's living room uh mm. it's it feels like it's appearing for about 10 minutes uh yeah. you know while the wind machine blows their hairs like lots of beautiful slow motion shots and there's more closer. lens flares than the original yes. star trek reboot movie <laughs> very <laughs> incredible i i did yeah i have to check once or twice to see that jj abrams did not direct this episode um well, the, the, one of the things Chibnall does, and actually this is a thing I like about him. I, I know I give Trump mm-hmm. a hard time about various things, but mm-hmm. he has that cinematic quality. Yes. And I don't think anyone has used like datelines 
in mm. Doctor Who quite to the same effect that he has. And he, I'll give him credit. He doesn't overdo it. He does it way more than anyone else ever has. But that thing, you know, it's like Osaka, Japan. And he, yes. I think he's done this in other episodes too. Um, he loves it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He absolutely but he does. But does. he doesn't overdo it. He does it like once a season. He'll do, I think well, it was one of the, I forget, was it over in 55 or no, it was, mm. um, one of the ones where they were running around the globe because of the virus or something. Right. Do you remember this? I forget which season it was. We'll get there. And we'll they certainly, but I yeah. believe they do it in Spyfall. They certainly do it in uh, Power of the Doctor. Um, yeah. there's, there's quite a lot of it. And, and it's kind yeah, of like, why not? You know, like yeah. it's movies do it for that drama and for mm-hmm. that, okay, I'm, I'm grounding you somewhere. And, you know, then you have to deliver on the thing looking like the thing you're you're talking about. But it is like um it's 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 a nice little device i mean go ahead and use it absolutely and i'm i'm glad we're, we're starting off with some praise for chibnall because you know we're, we're gonna get into the issues <laughs> oh yeah why why this doesn't work and we've got we got a lot to say but yeah i think you're absolutely right he has a cinematic sensibility um he does have very weird priorities but it is you know and, and again this is the the joy of going through doctor who randomly is is we, we get to see the evolution and one might even say the revolution of the show over the years <laughs> how much more beautiful it looks and and this is really you know no matter what we decide whether we like this episode or not it, it is definitely an interesting preview of the upcoming era of doctor who with disney money yeah right it's going to look like this but even more beautiful like you know so even the the dud notes and the the weird priorities and the you know the the plots getting wrapped up it's all you you can just let it wash over you because it's such beautiful wallpaper yeah for sure i mean even the bug creatures in the background are going to look good Um, but this is the thing about this episode and it's definitely going from the playbook that um Oh, uh, Stephen Moffat would, would yes. talk about with regard to holiday specials, even though this isn't Christmas, it's New Year's, but it's like, you've got to be big and loud and mm. you've got to sort of overpower the sort of state that the person's in, whether it's they're celebrating Christmas or just on vacation or probably hungover from New Year's <laughs> and just, you got to penetrate that with something huge, like a big action adventure romp typically, or something that is just, um, co- the, the pace just has to be go, go, go. Don't even question whatever nonsense I've just thrown in front of you. Right. I'm, I'm giving you some more nonsense to deal with. And then you just got to go. It does that, obviously. Like you have a, a huge prison break. You're seeing yep. which, which gives you sort of guest shots, cameos of a bunch of other monsters. You have not one, but two sets of Daleks. You're bringing back Chris Noth as the sort of uh, scenery chewing larger than life uh, sort of Trump stand in. Mm-hmm. Um, you have it's the interesting, British isn't Prime it, Minister, that we're, we're calling him uh, Chris Noth instead of... Uh, uh, Robertson, which is just yeah. <laughs> a kind of terrible name for the character, but yeah. Well, he's you know, also Wyatt another Jack, Robertson. yet another Jack. Yeah. It's like Jack yeah. Harkness and Jack Robertson. It's like, all yeah. right, fair enough. Too many Jacks. That's definitely the uh, the alternate title of this. But yeah, it's 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 got a lot of stuff that that sort of is it like it's a little transgressive. I think that's also important for for who and for a holiday special. You know, they they kill the prime minister, mm. and you've got to say that this this episode was ahead of its time. Uh, I think in several ways. First of all, it was filmed in 2019. And, you know, we have these scenes of like, you know, uh, the government minister as as Joe, uh, you know, Harriet Walters' character is then, you know, she's about to become prime minister. And Chris North slash Robertson puts on this whole 
scene for her of like people rioting and you know this is how we you know pe- there's unrest and there's always going to be more unrest now this was you know sh- uh, appears at the end of 2020 beginning of 2021 you know we've just been through the summer of the black lives matter protests and you know it's very much on on people's minds of like how do you uh deal with you know unrest do you, do you let people protest or do you basically go full full fascist and responding to you know legitimate protests in the streets and uh you know so this is very very of its time kind of accidentally they didn't mean yeah. to mean it to to refer to 2020 obviously um but also i'm going to say it's ahead of its time because uh joe god what was what was the prime minister's last name uh Joe Patterson. Yes, again. Patterson Patterson. Robertson. (laughs) God, send Chris Chibnall to, you know, uh, character naming school. You know, Jack Robertson, Joe, so such forgettable names, and I don't know why I went for them. Anyway, um, there's the scene where, like, basically she becomes prime minister, and Robertson is saying, oh, I hear your party's looking for a new leader. Uh, you know, and then she becomes basically the shortest serving prime minister in, in Doctor Who history, I understand, right. you know, when she's exterminated outside 10 Downing Street just after she's moved in. She's basically predicting Liz Truss. <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely upon reflection. See, watching it now in like 2023, like, oh, yeah, I guess the, <laughs> yeah. the short lived prime ministers, that's a thing. Exactly. It's, it's so perfect for the year we've just been through, 2022, the year of the three prime ministers. Um, and it just, it, I'm like, you know, that was my reaction when uh, Chris North has that line about, I hear your party's looking for a new leader. You know, in my head, it was like, oh, obviously this episode is set in 2022. You yeah. know, it could have taken place any time during that. Which leader is she replacing? We don't even know. Yeah, the stuff you um, cited about the, you know, responding to the Black Lives Matter movement, not really responding to it, because it's like that's Mm. sort of our read post all Mm. of that. Mm -hmm. Yes and no. I think there isn't real. there could have been a better, uh, more pointed exploration of sort of the security state. As such, it's really just plot it feels like and it feels kind of wrong right there's no there's no sort of um dangerous message in that like this would resonate with some pro-security or pro-law and order uh point of view because it's just presented as so cartoony and there's Mm -hmm. no depth to it right because it's like well is the takeaway we the security state's bad if you entrust it to alien death machines or yes. is it just bad i mean like i don't, they don't really have anything to say about it other than that i also think like it would have been more of its time uh and again I, this is not a strike against the episode at all don't get me wrong mm. but if it weren't for covid i think feel like mm. this was made pre-covid it was broadcast kind of in the middle of it yes. this was like done again this is january 2021 so yeah, we were just starting to get the vaccines. They were just starting to come online. Right, exactly. Mm. And this is even pre-Delta, Omicron. And like anyway, that was that was the main thing on everyone's mind. So I remember watching it at the time, and it felt honestly a little weird to be looking at a show that didn't even acknowledge it. There were no masks mm. anywhere. There mm-hmm. were no, you know, it's like, oh, this is I mean, it's Doctor Who, it's a parallel universe at the best of times, but it is it it just didn't feel like it was speaking to the moment much at all. Uh, and, mm-hmm. about, you know, also by that point, it was probably six months after the BLM protests and stuff. So, you know, the, a lot of that had subsided. So I do feel so, like it's, it. that said, I think there were opportunities to say more things, not necessarily yes. about society in general, 
but even just about Doctor Who and the character. And I got to say, like, you know, it misses every, not doesn't really miss, it doesn't even attempt yes. anything beyond the action movie yarn it's trying to do. Well, it's it's not even trying to do the action movie yarn, right? Because so much of the episode is focused on the fam and and weirdly, yeah. in particular, Ryan, which is just sort of, it's such a weird choice. We'll, we'll get to that, but I, I do want to stick with the, the good stuff first. I want to, you know, front load the good things about this episode. And one of the things is that it made me realize how many times in Doctor Who history we have squeezed some extra menace out of the Daleks by surrounding them with people who don't know what a Dalek is. Mm, right. Yeah. We saw Genesis of the Daleks uses this to great effect, the Mark III travel machines. Yeah. Uh, Dalek does it to, to great effect where they're, they're the Metaltron. Mm. And and here they're, they're what, security drones, I think is sort of the, the official name. Yeah, or defense but drones. Defense drones, that's it. Um, you know, and, and when you see them emerge for the first time, uh, first of all, I do actually really love the design of yes. the, the Earthbound Daleks in this. They look fantastic. They, it's it's really taking that sort of thrown together Dalek design from mm. uh, Revol- uh, Resolution, yes, um, and making it pretty. You know, it makes it kind of nice. You know, black and sleek, and yeah. even the uh, sort of you know steampunk like parts of it, like the eye stock with the little ridges on it, uh, the notches yeah. carved out. Uh, that's made more. Uh, it's better. I I like the idea because it's it's not quite a meta comment. Maybe it is in that you kind of just go with like, regardless of how impractical this design might be, you're like, Mm -hmm. you're going to sort of honor the original design somehow, right? Like, so you can sort of see the people entrusted with improving upon the thing they were given. It's like, well, let's make it very recognizably this thing, but not uh, but make it prettier, right? Which is kind of like how yeah. the Daleks have evolved since the beginning, right? They're always still at the end of the day, this sort of tin can floating around with a plunger on it and a, a couple other things sticking out of it. Like, it's like, yeah, there you go. Let's yeah. And it's sort of, and again, it is ahead of its time. I don't know if you heard the story about, um, there's a security robot. I think it's called the K2. Yeah. Um, no, uh, I remember that. I was covering tech I, at the time. Actually, yes, yes. on the Daily Show in a clip talking about this. Whoa, thing. whoa! Yeah, one, one time I was on the Daily Show, which was only via clip, but it was it was amusing. So there was a thing where the, the San Francisco Link Board the of notes. Supervisors. <laughs> Link in the show notes. I yes, and I, I remember seeing it around about like I got a, a preview of it. Uh, I guess we we both covered the K two as journalists. You know, yeah. basically a, a security droid um, that doesn't look as menacing. As as a Dalek, you know they they wisely kept the eye stalk and the plunger out of the design this time. But but it was so so it was recent. Just this year, the San Francisco supervisors had a vote on like whether this thing was allowed to use force, and and they mm. did. They did say they did accede to whatever the police department wanted, and said yes, it is allowed to. I guess stun people or. I can't even remember how it like what what its offensive weaponry was. Oh, not a plunger, not a plunger to the face. That much I remember. Um, 
but well, <laughs> not, not quite like, an extermination. <laughs> if they're anything like the defense people here, they're completely disinterested. Yeah, <laughs> in exactly what what's being built beneath the surface of this thing. Clearly, I did so. like the fact that the first uh, weapon we see it use is a water cannon. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's because it, cool. they're sort of ramping up in what it can do, and at first, first off, water cannon, second, CS gas. Yeah, I gotta um, say, like revolution. Oh, sorry, this is a revolution. I keep getting them confused. Resolution of the Daleks. No, it's revolution of the Daleks, referencing hmm. resolution. Anyway, yes. I gotta say, the setup is very good, and you're the thing you're expecting to see. Um, uh, maybe me as a fan, I'm expecting different things than your sort of average hungover on new year's person who just kind of mm. wants something to maybe sh- shut their brain off. But I was expecting to see something uh, a little deeper on the stuff they were setting up. In other words, I was, I was looking forward to like big water can and Daleks and somehow weaponizing yeah. that water cannon itself in some sort of interesting way. Um, but it never really does that. I mean, as soon as they sort of turn red and the Dalek mutants are inside them, they're essentially Daleks for all intents and purposes that not only do their um, guns work the right way, like like regular exterminator guns, but they can mm-hmm. fly, you know, they're, yeah. they've got, they're, they're full on Daleks, which I was like, again, missed opportunity. Like, I feel like seeing a group of watered down all figuratively and literally Daleks that humans actually have a chance against uh, I think you could tell a kind of an interesting story there. They're still hell bent on killing people. They're still hell bent on taking over, but now you don't have that same imbalance of completely overpowered uh, humans by the by these alien death machines. There's something we can actually deal with, and I I kind of yeah. wanted to see that. I kind of wanted to see like a, a more of a fair fight. To be honest, I was really into two of the storylines here, right? The the uh, Daleks as security drones for the government. Love that idea. Really wanted to see it explored more. Love that they exterminate the prime minister outside of Ten Downing Street. Like that is <laughs> such such a Doctor Who thing. By the way, my wife rewatching it turned to me at that point and said, "They missed a trick by not having the Downing Street cat in there." Uh, somehow, like you know, Larry the Downing Street Cat. I'm not sure if no you're idea. familiar with him. He's often <laughs> he was he was featured in a lot of memes. It, it is a Downing Street Cat. It's been there since 2010. It's he's you know got more longevity oh, wow. than prime ministers. Um, <laughs> and you know the the many memes of him standing outside number ten, like they put a little uh, uh, speaker uh, rostrum in front of him. And it's like you know I'd like to announce that I have a new owner. Uh, <laughs> 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 they don't last very long. These strange. I take them in and you know <laughs> try to try to housebreak them, but you know they're always gone after a few months. <laughs> uh, love it, but you know that'd be nice reference to end. So love that storyline. Would love to have seen it be explored more. Love the prison break storyline. Would love that to have had more room to breathe. Oh, don't get me started. Okay, you did get me started. <laughs> Finish your thought. Now I've got more to but say about the prison. I break. will also say that then the uh, you know both of them have their kind of you know Chris Tipton wants to take both of them to focus on this other thing that is you just sort of almost like screaming at him like no don't focus on this other thing and in both cases like the the, the Dalek security force storyline suddenly transitions is this whole thing with Leo who is right. uh Robertson's science guy uh being controlled by the Dalek that he's basically uh he's basically crisper to Dalek from mm. uh from from Dalek cells, and he's created the you know the octopus creature uh, that we that we know and love, the Carl 
creature as they are now. Um, and but then it turns out that like it gets into this sort of weird timeline thing where he's been building this facility all along in Osaka, but but he just got taken over by a Dalek. So yeah. how did he have time to do this? And it just doesn't make any sense. And like, why, why even I, I get that, you know, we, we want to have the reveal of the, you know, the Daleks are behind this and they've been, but it just, it's too confusing. And to have all that focus on Leo, who's a character we don't really care about. We don't really have time mm-hmm. to care about. Uh, kind of just drags that whole plot line down. The Osaka stuff drags the plot line down, even though it's Captain Jack, uh, and Yaz, which you'd think would be a great pairing, and they have a lot of good, great stuff to see each other. Those scenes just sort of feel dead because they're just sort of running around this this factory, and the reveal of they're all Daleks is not very surprising. Um, so that I think didn't work. And then the yeah. Prison Break stuff—it's like you know that we go from Prison Break to focusing on the fam being all upset about the Doctor being away for ten months. Yeah. And the doctor's been in a space prison. It's such a weird focus. It's such a weird way to draw the focus off what we know has been happening and, and onto the fans' sort of anxiety of having been away yeah. for 10 months. And I can't think of a single viewer, apparently, except Chris Judnell, who's like, no, forget, forget the doctor's PTSD from being in a prison on the other side of the planet. Let's focus on. Yeah, how this right. affected the fam because she came back late and you're just like me as a viewer i'm like you know suck it up fam yeah 100 percent. okay let's start there because yeah. you you went through a lot of stuff wrong with the episode and seriously i could go deep on every single one of those things because you're yes. so right that that is like that tons and tons of this just does not work um mm. and a lot of its story but some of it is a good chunk of it is emotional beats that just don't mm. hit the way chibnall thinks they do yeah so, so let's let's go ahead and start with that central thing which seems to be a big emotional sort of struggle conflict within the episode which is that the the doctor's been gone for 10 months which seems like a random thing right she just happened mm. to come 10 months later i mean she's a time machine she just happened to arrive then and the, the mm-hmm. tardis was off now i think uh, at its heart i think this is okay in that we've seen this before with rose uh sort of brought back to earth 12 months after she was picked up by uh the ninth doctor and uh you can also read into it a little bit that the tardis is somewhat consciously doing this maybe like look everyone needs a break everyone needs to to find themselves for a bit and we'll we'll Mm. reunite later so even though she might have been aiming for right after i'll buy it that the tardis just kind of was like no um but then you're so right like everyone's upset, particularly Yaz, that she hasn't been part of their lives for 10 months. And you're just like, you guys are just whiny children. Like what, what yeah. are you talking about? Like, I, I get that, you know, she showed you this thing and the doctor does this, picks people up and they, they make a lot of this throughout Dr. Who that how can you go back to your life after yes. you, the entire wonder of the cosmos has been opened up for you for so long. And that's interesting, but it, I'm also like, you you signed up for this you know yeah. they they very much were like we know what this is we know it's dangerous we know we could die at any moment um but we're signing up for this adventure and then you're you're complaining that you're safe and sound despite all the mortal danger you've been in for the past two seasons mm. you're back home and you're okay and you just haven't seen your friend for 10 yes. months like and that's your that's your problem, really? Like you really want here, I'm just gonna finish this thought. You yeah. want Amy Pond to bust out of some time warp and just go like, excuse me. I had to have therapy as a kid because 
he didn't mm. come back for 12 years. Then he didn't come back for two years. Then there was an alternate timeline where he didn't come back for something like 30 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was erased. Fine. But guys, you have no idea. You're a bunch of whiny babies. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> See you later. I'm going to go back into my Marvel Cinematic Universe and star in some <laughs> great movies for a while. See ya. Yes. Yeah. You, you want Sarah Jane just off screen. Like, oh, brother, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you how this works. And Captain Jack is right that, like, he was abandoned by the Doctor. Yeah. Like, he, he can totally trump everything that the fam has to complain about. But also, but what really gets me is she steps out of the TARDIS. Her first words are, I've been in space prison. Nobody pays attention to that. Yeah. yeah. Not even, like, Yaz's first response is to push her away. Like, yeah. Yaz, as a policewoman, should know, like, what it is to have been in space prison. Like, yeah, have some know. idea. Yeah. What, why are they just ignoring that? Yeah. It's I so mean, she weird. not come. She yeah. was a prisoner, and yeah. she was a prisoner for a long, long time by the uh, what they're doing in that sort of thing where she's ticking off each day, I guess. Yes. That's, yeah. All the walls are filled with these ticks. Uh, did they even say at one point, is it decades, centuries, or something? Yeah, I think it, it's, the, the implication is it's like centuries. Yes, it is definitely hinted that it's a long, long time, uh, so long that, that she's gotten around to reciting the first Harry Potter, Potter book to herself. Which mm. I want to say that that scene I think was a missed opportunity because uh, she's like she says I, I'm gonna well doctor what should we do now doctor how are we gonna get to sleep doctor oh, well let me tell you a classic story doctor do you want to oh, something like do you want a classic story and it's like oh yes and I really wanted that was such an opportunity for like you know for the for the old school fans if you're like you know if she just then starts reciting the plot of the Sontaran experiment or something. <laughs> Yeah, a, a classic oh, yeah, story. Here it is. That would have been great. But Harry Potter is a bit sort of yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, the Doctor was in into Harry Potter and the Shakespeare Code, but still, still into it in twenty twenty one. I don't know. <laughs> you know, didn't get into. So, so we've talked about the fam and their problem, and we can get yeah. a little bit into Ryan in a bit. Yes. But I want to switch tracks and sort of maybe go through the other issues a bit chronologically. Mm. So yes. let's talk about the prison since we're on there, and yeah. so. Again, I actually don't really remember the end of the Timeless Children all that well on mm. somebody shows up and takes her to prison or, or yeah, something, you right? Yeah, but you do. But you do just do. And mm. in that point, it's kind of seems like a tease, like, oh, this is going to get fleshed out later. And this is apparently the fleshing out, except there's no flesh. There's yep. nothing to do with it. Like, there's basically, she's just in prison because she needs to be for this jailbreak to reunite her with Captain Jack. That's yes. it. Um there's zero depth. There's no why. There's no like it's the Jew Jadoon and some charges, but it's like there's seven thousand charges. Other and, offenses, yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's there's no meaning to it. Who's the actually mm. the authority? Um, is there a person pulling the strings here? You get a little bit of the charges, but not really. You don't really even get a sense like what the problem is. Why she's a criminal? Was there a trial? Um, what is the agenda of putting her in the prison? Is she now on the run or not? I guess she is, but it's like, I guess you could something you could pull out at any time. Like compare this with anything like we've seen, like an even trial of a time Lord, like, hmm. like what, what you're just like, what was that? Like what she was just there just for this action movie purpose. And there's, uh, and they're, they're trying to do this epic thing that she's in there for centuries. And it's like, you don't, you shouldn't do this thing and make it so throwaway. 
Yeah. Uh, there's so much opportunity here and we, we care. We're fans. We care. We want to know why she was there and what this has to do. This could be a season long arc that it she, really could. just thrown in as a, as an afterthought in an action movie yarn. Um, really, really annoying. Really leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Absolutely. And I, I love the, I love all the, you know, it's great opportunity for, for the doctor to, you know, when she's in her little exercise yard, um, talking to the other prisoners, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity to see other monsters in there. The, the weeping angel that she calls Angie, you know, is a nice touch. I loved mm. the thing about the silence. Uh, we were rewatching it and I was like, oh, I, I'd forgot, like, before realizing what I said, I was like, oh, I've forgotten that the silence were in this. Um, <laughs> before she has that great point. line of like, yes, yeah. this is the great line of like, oh, I'd forgotten you were here, um, which is just, it's perfect. Love it. Great stuff. You know, the prison is actually comic relief in this, which yeah. is interesting. Uh, you know, which you would imagine it would be with the doctor. Like that's the only way that she can, that she can. And, and, and Jodie Whittaker, I want to give her a shout out for her acting in the prison scenes because she perfectly manages to blend that sense of sheer exhaustion yeah. with the, the routine of prison with the sort of the feistiness of the doctor with the sort of, you know, She's unbent, unbroken, unbent. Like you know, she she is going to fight her way through this, even though she's clearly struggling. Uh, they've not broken the doctor, um, and that's conveyed yeah. mostly in her looks, uh, which is just fantastic. So great job, Jodie. Um, yeah, well, you sorry, also had like, to be in the script. Yeah. <laughs> I like her little bits where she's like, "Good morning, camera thirty-seven, camera thirty-eight. Yes. You know, those are good too. Like she's she's coping. She's figured out a way to deal with this, mm-hmm. and it's to her credit and to the character's credit. So I before and there's more to say about the prison, but I need to get mm-hmm. my nitpick out. So this is yes. it. Pete's nitpick corner. We're going in deep. <laughs> okay, it. one of the first um, Dateline things they do, they say. 79 billion light years away when they transfer oh, to the yes. doctor and the prison. And you just kind of like, okay, fair enough. I get it. It's far, far away. That's the point. But again, fans care about this stuff. Okay. 79 billion light years away. Let's unpack that for a second. <laughs> so in case you're not sure, a super cluster of galaxies is roughly like hundred million, 300 million light years long. This is a super cluster. Again, the, lo- yep. the local cluster it's, it's in the million, tens of millions. And then you get hundreds of millions when you get a super cluster and you know, others like we have a super cluster, uh, the Virgo super cluster, other super clusters are about, you know, 300 million light years away. Um, the furthest star we have ever seen the furthest basically object we can even see from earth is 28 billion light years away, which is more than I thought it was. Right. I thought it was more Mm -hmm. like 15 billion because of the age of the universe, but you know, things are accelerating away, blah, 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 all this stuff. So I guess we can see about 28 billion light years away and that's the furthest we can do. And this is 79 billion light years from earth, which again, it's not impossible, not impossible. What we've seen in doctor who certainly not impossible given what we know about physics. Like maybe the universe is infinite. It could be all that is true, but it is, it's this scale that is unnecessarily big. You know, you just <laughs> kind of pulled out a big sounding number and put it in without much thought to it. And unfortunately, if you unpack it to the way I have, and again, I'm going to acknowledge no one's going to do this, but except fans, but it is like, well, wait a minute. Like that, doesn't that just make, everything just seemed really small. Doesn't, doesn't make you just question the relevance of everything we're we're seeing. And it just makes you think about a little bit like, well, if, if it's, if this is that big, what do we care about anything going on in the Milky way? Like what, you know, like it's just, it's 
kind of nuts. Like you don't have to go that big. You could have been stayed in the same galaxy and I will still would have bought it. Yeah. What, what was the point of 79 billion? I, I, it's almost like it's, we're being set up for the doctor giving the fam a line like, Hey, I was 79 billion years, light years away, you know, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, nobody, none of you came to visit. Um, <laughs> you know, so maybe, maybe use it again if you're going to mention it, but yeah, it is of a piece of this annoying tendency in doctor who to sort of like, just go for really big numbers and really far. And I sort of think of it as the, we've been here since the dawn of time, doctor. Yeah. Uh, problem. Um, We've been here for billions of years, Doctor. Like, you, you don't, yeah, you don't need to go that big. Yeah, it just uh, kind of makes you throw up your hands a bit. And also, mm-hmm. it just makes clear it was not done deliberately, right? And be more deliberate, you know, when mm-hmm. you're making these stories. Like, well, why, why did you pick that number? Well, why not do this number? And then you might be able to do something a little more interesting with, you know, something happening closer, right? Like, I got to get again, I got to give Star Trek credit. It thinks about this stuff. <laughs> mm. Um, it didn't used to back in the old series, I did a little bit, but it didn't used to do that much. But now it's like, okay, where you know, they, they, they've looked at their what they've established, and it's like, well, what are the quadrants? Like, where are these things? And they've they've done some, you know, I would say universe building, but it's really galaxy building within their um universe now again. Star Trek and Doctor Who, they're different properties. And Doctor Who, it's everywhere, anywhere, every star that ever was. That's a great canvas. It does change the rules of it, but you should still have rules to some extent, right? Like you, we still need to believe all of this is still happening in the same universe. Yeah. And uh, once you sort of pick at these little sort of things that don't make sense, certain things start to unravel. And on a certain level, it doesn't negate everything, but you do start to sort of not care as much about the pe- picture they're painting because clearly they don't care. Uh, about parts of it, yeah, and and Chibnall. Right. I, I went wait, I went, went way longer than I thought I would <laughs> on this thing, but it is it's again it's indicative of a deeper problem of just the lack of care um, and being fans of your own show that you're making, and and so much of it could be solved if you didn't give all this time to uh, specifically Ryan, where yes. it's it's a lot of time spent with the doctor sort of trying to figure out what's going on with Ryan and kind of being a little bit patronizing with him. I want to say mm-hmm. like that scene where they talk about the beanie, like Ryan's sitting yeah. there in the TARDIS, he puts on a beanie and the doctor's like, I remember you wore a beanie when we first met. I was like, that guy can carry off a yellow beanie kind of bred a, a little patronizing to me. Like that's all you've got to say about Ryan. And and to be fair, Ryan is, I mean, no, no disrespect to Tosin Cole. He's a great actor. He's got this wonderful sort of calm energy about him. Really loved uh, his his work when we went to Rosa, uh, and we went to the Witchfinders. I think those are two of his strongest episodes. Uh, you know, he he definitely showed his strength in the TARDIS team there. Here, it's just like, what the hell is going on with you, dude? Like, you know, and and more, it's like you, you don't even direct your anger at him. You direct your anger at Chibnall because, like. Even just one scene with Ryan, like hanging out with his friends or hanging out with his dad, mm-hmm. yeah. having fun with them, that would show us rather than tell. Like, why is Chibnall, who knows how you, you're supposed to show, not tell? He knows that everyone, like, it's such a basic script writing one on one thing. And here he is telling, not showing uh, yeah. that, that Ryan has sort of, like, you know, moved on. Yeah, and exactly. We're supposed to care. We're supposed to just care. And it's kind of of a piece with what happened in, in the timeless children, which we discussed on the show before this sort of weird mismatch of like, we're supposed to care about what Ryan is doing 
just as much as we care about the doctor suddenly discovering that her entire life is a lie. Mm-hmm. And it's such a mismatch in that story. It's such a mismatch in this one. You know, it, it's kind of annoying because it really does, you know, you, you want them to kind of really pull the fam together at the last minute, but it just, it's just all over the place and it's unfortunate and it really stops the story stone cold dead. Um, totally. And yeah. And, and then just to bring it to the end, um, and I know you had the same problem. Like we, we end with, um, Ryan and Graham on, on the hill again. Ryan's trying mm-hmm. to ride the bike again. They have a vision of grace, which, uh, w- which is just sort of like a bit mm-hmm. kind of almost yeah. gets a bit too spiritual there. Well, that was patronizing. I felt like to yeah. the viewer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did Grace not want to see sort of appears some, some apparition, mm. and yeah, she just sort of appears, and you're kind of like, well, wait a minute, what are you doing? And I guess the, the way it's shot, mm. you know, she's just a vision. Yes, um, but <laughs> are you, so are you she, it back? Like, what is she, it's so weird? What, yeah, what's going? How are you? How are you explaining the fact that they're both seeing her at the same time? Is it just supposed to be coincidence? Is, she, is it supposed to be a nod to spirituality that she does somehow live on? I don't know. But to have the, the choice to have that vision and then for Ryan in the very last time, as the, as the shot pulls out, the very last thing we see of Ryan in Doctor Who is him falling off the bike again. Right. Like, yeah. you know, that just felt so wrong to me. Like, uh, this is Ryan's last few seconds on screen. Give him a win. Yeah. Absolutely. Everything is set up to give him a win with the bike. And you've just had the grace thing. So don't come at me with like, it wouldn't be realistic for him to actually successfully pilot this bike in the last shot. Like we've just had an unrealistic apparition. So give us some unrealism, like the audience in as much as we are actually uh, allowed to care about Ryan, um, you know, we, we want him to succeed in that final shot. And the fact that he doesn't is just so lame. Yeah, I I don't know why they decided to do the circle. Like they're coming all yeah. the way back and mm. literally they're in the exact same place that they started even though they're talking about doing other things. Like that is such a strange strange choice. Mm. Like if you've changed and you've moved on and now you're basically they're talking about being these uh you know defenders of the earth. Right, and with we sort of, paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we see that with Graham later in The Power of the Doctor to some extent. To, to, to come back like we're still on the hill, he's still doing the bike thing. And it also remind reminded me how badly they handled Ryan's apparent disability throughout his entire yeah. run because yeah. it's referenced like I think once or twice after the first episode, but then mm-hmm. he's generally s- simply a capable companion doing yeah. whatever. Um, they don't, they don't, he, he kind of has it when he needs to and doesn't when he, when they, it's inconvenient and that's really not cool. I mean, I, I think that's, mm. you know, you talk about patronizing and, yes. uh, to, to audiences. It's like, that's like, wow. Like if you, if you actually have that disability, um, mm. or any kind of muscular thing and you kind of want to see it depicted in such a way that, you know, your, your strengths are shown, but also your weaknesses. I, I think it was a really, you know, you got to admire the attempt. I don't want to take too much away from it because it's like, mm. I don't want them not to try, but I do think uh-huh. you've got to try harder to make that something that'll resonate with that crew. I'd be curious to hear about anyone who has a disability and ever thought about Ryan mm. as possibly sort of a cipher for them. Did that yeah, ever that, work for you? 
that representation for from the disabled community for the disabled community. I, I see. I, I will remember. I was at New York Comic Con when they showed uh, the woman who fell to earth, and there was actually someone in the audience who had the same disability as Ryan, who was just in tears that their you know their condition was being represented on the screen. So yeah, I get it. Representation matters, but story matters too. And Does it ever? Yeah, and you know, do it one way or the other. Like have him finally overcoming his disability, fine, or having him don't. But like, let's explain it. Don't just just like throw it in a visual thing at the end. And it just such such a weird mismatch, and really gets at this sense that Chibnall does not know what he's doing, does not know how stories work. Yeah, and I got to say, I think you're dead on. It brings this that the scene between him and Whitaker hmm. brings the. Uh, adventure to a grinding halt. Like I get he's doing it for pacing, mm. but it's it, it, this is like a whiplash almost. Like you're mm. just in this sort of high octane adventure, and then suddenly it's this really, really understated performances, and there's no exposition. Like everything just stops, and there's to your point, there's no resonance because we haven't seen anything about Ryan, or even yeah. we've only maybe we haven't even really heard about it up until this point. Um, other than maybe a tiny bit of stuff that's implied in the earlier conversation with Yaz and they're trying to like get her to move on because cl- clearly she's the most obsessed with getting the doctor back, um, which of course is clearly a setup in hindsight of their deep, her deepening feelings for, um, uh, for winning yeah. the doctor. Um, which all is, yeah. It's a weird scene right there at the end, isn't it? Where it's sort of like they, they're sort of. <laughs> that you can sense almost this this uh, elation between the Doctor and Yaz that they're going to be on their own now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Ryan and Graham definitely, you know, again, love you, Tosin Cole, Bradley Walsh, you're, you're awesome actors. I just don't, I think they were the weaker characters. I think they were dragging the fam down. Yeah. Um, and it is, we, the audience, are kind of celebrating in that moment for that reason. <laughs> right? We're like, you know, uh, you know, almost feel a little bit better about it. Like, I don't want to be happy that you're going, Ryan. But, like, almost, the doctor's almost there with us. And and she has this, again, very patronizing line of, like, it's okay, I've got two hearts. One is sad. Uh, one is happy. Like, screw you, doctor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like, like, that's you. I'm walking out the door and you're super happy that like your, your main emotion is that you're super happy that Yaz is going to stay because you've got no third wheels now. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> basically what that scene reads like. I didn't mind the two hearts line. I thought it was okay. We've, we've sort of had similar lines, but yeah, I, I hear you. Mm-hmm. You kind of, she's, she's trying to do a balance and, and, it's not really super successful. Yeah. I remember um, watching this at the time. I didn't know that they were, that Ryan and Graham were going and it just sort of like, yeah, it felt like the right move. It felt like, you know, I really want to see the doctor and yeah, they, they definitely have chemistry and it doesn't never felt to me, you know, except with a, a few exceptions like Rosa, like Witchfinders, uh, that the fam really had chemistry together mm-hmm. and they clearly did off screen. I think that perhaps kind of, because Chibnall was seeing all of their off-screen chemistry and they, the four of them were very good friends in real life. I, but I don't think that necessarily has ever carried over yeah. you know, to, to a significant extent on, on screen. And maybe it's a problem with Three Companions. You know, we sort of saw with Black Orchid how, you know, the different ways you can handle Three Companions and how to have them all have fun and doing their own thing and feel like it have they have chemistry together. Um Maybe maybe it's a failing with that that it's just harder when you have that many in the yeah, TARDIS team. It's definitely harder. I think, yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, I think you really have to work for it when you mm-hmm. have three companions. I mean, you really need to think about each script and how they're going to sort of bring something out of each person or have some kind of thing. I mean, this is certainly early, early on when you had Ian and Barbara and Susan hmm. just write them out. You know, you'd yep. be like, you know, someone would take a vacation and so they'd be gone for a couple of uh, episodes in those early days. And mm-hmm. uh, you get that a little bit even in the Davison era. Um, but I just think it, it it's just so much work for like week after week after week to have right for like a cast of four mains hmm. with the structure that Doctor Who has um, to make sure there's something interesting uh, for them to do and, and things to come out. So I think. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it was an interesting call. I wonder I wonder upon reflection what Chris Chibnall thinks of that call. Um, if it was, he'd probably defend it publicly. But should mm-hmm. he have had four companions? I I don't. I, I would see this as kind of a bit of a failed experiment. And um, it's again yeah. nothing to your point. Nothing against the actors. I think they're all up for it. But you you just didn't really uh, whether it was a symptom of all of them or a weakness of the writing. I think mm. it's both, but I think you have more opportunities to strengthen that writing when you're not so worried about divvying up uh, the scraps that you have of screen time among four leads. Yeah, and and speaking of things that we were wor- certainly I was worried about at the time. I think a lot of long term fans are worried about was like we just come out of the timeless children, you know, this massive change in the Doctor's background story, yeah. uh, origin story, and we were kind of on tenterhooks wondering how are they going to handle it here? And it, it, you know, we were, weren't we? We we were. And it sort of handled with that one conversation with Ryan where the doctors, you know, he's like, what really did happen on Gallifrey? And the doctor's like, I don't know who I am anymore. Everything's a lie. Um, I, I don't know if we're like supposed to draw a comparison to Ryan's situation, because again, we've been told really nothing about the background of his 10 months away from the doctor, which is supposed to have been really important and changed everything. And she's missed that time with him and he's grown up or whatever. But, yeah. but yeah, it's sort of, I, I like now looking back on it, like I'm, what was I worried about now? Now we know that timeless child has sort of been consigned to, uh, <laughs> the depths <laughs> of the TARDIS basically in that pocket watch form. Um, you yeah. know, so it's, it's, it's fine. I'm not so yeah. worried about it. Yeah. Well, it didn't, yeah. You're, I, I'm sort of thinking back now to the sort of emotional, state we were all in at that point and now it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah i actually completely forgot until she said it and i think that maybe probably let me enjoy the episode more right because yes. now it's like oh action romp fun times daleks blah 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 um and i'm not so caught up in what what they're going to do with this crazy upending of the canon mm-hmm. um so it's kind of kind of to the show's credit as in in the um the pantheon of doctor who now um I but, mean, we, we know now that, that, that what Chibnall was going for was something much more vague than what showed up on screen, right? That this yeah. is sort of our post-mortem on the whole Timeless Child thing, is that it seems that he, you know, speaking of the fact that Chibnall apparently looks at scripts a little differently than the rest of us do, uh, <laughs> and thinks of story differently than the rest of us do, he thought he was being super vague. Yeah. He, was, he thought he was introducing Brain of Morbius-style vagueness to the doctor's past lives and regenerations. And he just sort of overshot and made it much more clear (laughs) as a, as a storyline, you know, when it finally comes up on the screen, um, you know, it it seems really clear what has actually happened to us and his, all his attempts to misdirect and throw in vagueness, uh, didn't work, but you can sort of see him maybe sort of post hoc (laughs) 
trying to do that yeah. a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's a difficult yeah. thing to ignore the timeless child mm. storyline, but you know what? We're going to. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, okay. So let's, let's let's just let's, ignore it right out, and let's get to a bit that I think you you are kind of keen to get to, which is the yeah. Dalek versus Dalek action. The you, Dalek I on love Dalek. I love Dalek on Dalek. Don't get it. like <laughs> that is my favorite action. I mean, ever since Remembrance of the Daleks, and uh, I've been very pro Dalek on Dalek, even in Revelation back in the classic mm. series, where there's very little of it in the final episode, but you're getting this hint of factions of Daleks. It actually goes all the way back to like Evil of the Daleks, right? Mm. When there was the uh, the humanized Daleks and stuff like that. And um, so this is cool, but the, what I so I really admire this episode for trying to do a version of that that's that could have mm. been interesting. Unfortunately, it's not that interesting. And again, there's missed opportunity after missed opportunity. And one of the big ones is that the at the moment, virtually the moment, the uh, defense drone Daleks become true Daleks. And by the way, I think I'm going to call them Double D Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> defense yes. drone Daleks. Um, double it. D Daleks um, essentially uh, become Daleks. And then the doctor, like within a couple of minutes, calls the real Daleks. Mm. Uh, which she calls the death squad Daleks. And it's like, she could call them like the SAS special forces or something of the Dalek race. And I, I heard that. And I was again thinking like, well, talk about a distinction without a difference. Like yeah. how, like how are death squad Daleks, which look by the way, exactly like every other Dalek we've ever seen any different from every Dalek we've ever seen, <laughs> which yes, is that the- they're there, they're bent on exterminating. They're armed with their, you know, zapper weapons. I, I, what? Like this, this is harkens back to what I said about in Ascension of the Cybermen. Here are warrior class Cybermen. Like, okay. Yeah. As opposed to the bricklaying Cybermen or the janitor <laughs> Cybermen. Like aren't all Cybermen warrior class Cybermen? I've never seen one that isn't a warrior class. So what are you talking it, about? It has potential to be really interesting. I mean, and again, it's an area where I wish Chibnall had sort of had the courage of his convictions, because what they really are is, is they're not SAS. They're really more like SS Daleks. Like they're, yeah. they're like they're like regular Daleks, but they're a bit more Nazi. Yeah. You know, they're they're a bit more focused on the purity of the race, uh, which is sort of their reason to come in here. And like the Doctor brings them in because she knows they're going to annihilate the impure Daleks that have a little bit of you know. Uh, by the way, I'm starting to think that like human DNA is like the the nut allergy of the Dalek world. It's like no, this this Dalek has been manufactured in a facility that may contain peanuts. Um, mm. Like they're so obsessed with like the, the tiny amount of human uh, DNA in the Dalek, and perhaps right. having been to Dalek, right, seeing what little bit of Rose's DNA did to that Dalek, like may, maybe for good reason. Um, and that's another wonderful thing to be explored if there were more than two minutes to explore it here, right? But yeah. I do, I like that idea of sort of a, an internal Dalek security force that is just so focused on the purity of the race above all else. Uh, again, it's not bad not at all. And I, mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think that the, the difference comes out in sort of their motivations here, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is good. And like you say, it's interesting, but like it's, you get like a millimeter of depth, yes. this idea. And also I kind of wanted to see the defense drone Daleks uh, large and in charge for a bit. Like they, they yeah. managed to exterminate a few people in an airport and the prime minister and presumably all around Britain, but then again, they're basically almost within five minutes completely annihilated 
mm-hmm. by uh, the regular Daleks. And you're also kind of like not sure why. I mean, they kind of go out of their way to make these defense stone Daleks seem like regular Daleks. Like they're flying. They got exterminator weapons. Presumably they have shields and all this stuff. I mean, why wouldn't they? They already they have transmats, I guess, in, in their uh, Dalek casings, which is how they get Dalekfied. All the Dalek mutants get transmatted. Um Yet for some reason they're they're made mincemeat out of by by the regular Daleks, which um, you know presumably I don't know you could argue numbers either way, which had more forces, but uh, they're just completely trashed. And you're like, well, why? I mean, don't their beam weapons work? Are they just simply not as good? Which again, I would have liked a storyline that shows the Defense Stone Daleks doing pretty well against humans, but also still clearly more low rent. And then blown up. It's just that's mm. not what we saw on screen. Um, so that's and also yeah. The Doctor is a little bit incurious about the fact that these are essentially a new new species of Dalek with a little bit of Dalek uh, with a little bit of human DNA in them, right? right. And it, you know, we, we've she's definitely not the the Tom Baker have either right Doctor because she's essentially calling in the other Daleks to to do a genocide mm. on this <laughs> on this sort of semi not even semi human but like 1% human whatever it is like that's the kind of thing that the doctor has been very interested in in the fa- in the past and now yeah she's just sort of like now nah, we'll just you know let them fight yeah it's also a little unclear like where that human element came in i guess in the cloning mm. process or something like you know there's so much thing that, that just is thrown in just for the sake of like the plot needs to do this right yeah. and um, I mean, I could, uh, there's a litany of issues with this, right? So you mentioned the thing with Leo already, like it, in the, the story, as it's seen on screen, it looks like he has virtually no time between the time he's taken over by the Dalek mutant. And then the defense stone Daleks become real Daleks. And it's just, well, how did, how did they even build all that in what looked like, uh, overnight? Yeah. Um, that doesn't make sense. I guess the implication is it happened earlier, but it is like, that's not paced properly for that, for it to be that. So that's a big problem. Also, these Daleks, and admittedly, we saw a little bit of this in Resolution, but I also didn't like it there because it did go into uh, heretofore unknown spots uh, where the, where the Dalek mutants are. Like these these Dalek mutants are totally different from the mutants that we've seen in the classic series and even prior to this. Like they they basically are face huggers from aliens, yeah. right? Like yes. they're, they're running around, they can and they move fast, they can climb out of their casings. They, they face hug Captain Jack. Um, yeah, and not only that, but they can take over the minds of people mm. by hanging onto their back. Like he's he calls Leo a puppet at one point, which mm-hmm. again, kind of really cool horror movie vibes. I gotta give it uh, credit yep. for that. But for sure, we, we've never seen Daleks do this before. Mm. Um, that they're just the do this thing that can take over people, and I think I think we saw some of this in Resolution. But again, that doesn't make it okay. It's just da- Daleks don't do this, you know. Like, like you they're not the puppet masters. Um, that uh, I guess they are now, but that's that we've never seen that before. And so it's kind Daleks of like, it's, do not have puppet shows. Yeah, it's. it's I mean, I, I hate to again. I feel I'm the nitpicker. That's my thing. But it is like um, this kind of thing does annoy a certain kind of fan, and I think mm. uh, of fans to some extent. I mean. You look at something like what they did with Vader in Rogue One, right? Where yeah. he it's done in that he's like this super powerful dude, and they're basically shooting it like a modern day Star mm. Wars thing, whereas it's kind of incongruent with what was shown in A New Hope and 
uh, th- these other things. And uh, th- more has been written about that, I'm sure. But it is like, okay, um, at least at least there you could kind of backfill a bit, right? Yeah. Whereas here, there's so much more that has been established that you have to go back and think, well, why have they never done this in this point, this point, this point, and this point, all the way back to the original Daleks uh, uh, thing where, where the, the original adventure where Ian takes the mutant out, right? Yes. Like if you're taking a mutant, like and I got to say, Leo's so dumb. I mean, like he literally uses his bare hands to take the Dalek while he's right in front of the incinerator. Like, yeah. couldn't you have just put the box in? Like, why totally. did you have to open I, it? It's recycling, I guess. Leo's really into recycling. Uh, you know, always put the box in the uh, sci-fi box container. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you have a sci-fi fox, uh, box bin um, outside for, for the trash people to take away. Now, you know, this sort of brings up something that, um, and by the way, I'm just going to, briefly as the star wars guy say that i had loved what vega did, did in rogue one because it kind of gives you the notion that that's why the fight with obi-wan later on in star wars is kind of so sclerotic right because because vader's exhausted because he just had this <laughs> he's a guy in his 50s and he just had this massive fight with a whole bunch of rebels and like he's out of he's undercharged from well, you, that point. you've yeah, seen yeah, the fan needs- recut of that too right I haven't. The, the they put it side by Hope. side. Oh no! They they <laughs> oh it, with a, a new a new version. Yes, GI'd the fight. I have. New Hope yeah. with they scale it up. Text. Yeah, they scale it up and make Alec Guinness actually look like a good uh, swordsman. Um, Makes it yeah. look like David Proud can actually see out of that thing. <laughs> yeah. So so this actually brings up a question. I I wonder what you think about this because this is I'm, I've often been confused. Like why why do why do I have such an issue with tribunal stories? And maybe a lot of you out there are having the same thing. Cause it's like, you know, we, we, we were rooting for, for tribunal to succeed. We're rooting for, for his era to do good. You know, the first female doctor, like, you know, there was no animus against Chris tribunal. Um, and he sort of does like everything that we're talking about is also sort of signatures of what Moffat does, right? Squeezing Hmm. too many ideas. So what do you think the difference is, Pete? Why is it that we, we sort of give Moffat a pass on this. Uh, is is it that you know? Is is it that Chibnall is basically adding all the stuff like with the fam, where he's just he's doing Moffat plus inserting scenes about characters you don't you're really being given a reason to care about? Is that it, or is there something deeper going on here? It's a really good question because there are similar issues, and I, I will say I don't entirely give Moffat a pass, but I do. No have more admiration for his era and the broader themes he was trying to do. And I think maybe that's where it comes in, where even though Moffat would irritate me to high heaven with his treatment, particularly of classic monsters and Mm. story in general, uh, just wait till we get to the power of three. But (laughs) he, he, I, I believed in the emotional beats and I think you, you alluded to this with like the things that Chibnall um, didn't do. And he, he also didn't do it necessarily willy nilly. Um, I do feel like Chibnall sees Doctor Who almost like a buffet and you can mm. put whatever you want on the plate. And it doesn't matter if you're putting spring rolls beside haggis or whatever, just, <laughs> just have fun. It's all, it's all a thing you can do. Whereas I really felt like Moffat, as unusual as his meals were sometimes he had a point, he had courses planned out 
and yeah. he had people going on journeys in, with you that you cared about and had development throughout that and was very consciously mm. developing his characters um and, and not in ways right, that yeah. were yeah. that were just talked at you just said with with ryan yeah like it's there's so much of it is just filled in and again that we don't see it and it's just done so honestly it feels like so tozen cole can leave the show and he can clear out the tardis a bit um yeah. it's it's penciled in at the end uh which sometimes happens with tv but it is like you you could have done a little more. You could have earned it, even if you weren't mm. planning this. And it felt like you should have been planning this to I think yes. Yeah. I, I think that that exactly you're you're absolutely right. I think you you've just sort of uh, crystallized it in my head. You put the put your finger on it that Moffat always you always had a confidence with Moffat that he knew where he was going. That yeah. he had that overall story arc. Uh, in mind and you could sometimes be super surprised the way he would seem to be planning things like almost seasons in advance we saw that with the the beast below kind of and the surprising amount of sort of you know war doctor relevant stuff that would eventually show up in day of the doctor uh Mm. that was there in right at the beginning of his uh, first season so um it's it's fascinating and yeah you do have that confidence like you're right it is comparable to a chef and like you don't necessarily agree with a lot of his choices but he he has a sense of like what dishes he's serving you in what order and chibnall like may, even though he did allegedly have a whole master plan a whole superstructure for his run of the seasons involving timeless child you know that was supposed to be at the dead center of it the revelation at the dead center it doesn't feel like he has an overall plan yeah. it do, does feel like he's sort of winging it um story to story yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, totally. And I mean, there's there's so much I mean, Moffat was disrespectful to to the the monsters as well. And I feel like yeah. Chibnall thinks he isn't, and, and on in a sense, revolution of the Daleks um has a lot of reverence for the Daleks. You know, you mm-hmm. get to see two different kinds and um you get to see like like I said, we said how gorgeous it looks and they get to do some fun exterminating. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, like you said, it story matters. Like when they're so powerful, they're, they're transmatting into these defense drones. They have full on weapons and stuff. Like you're kind of like, well, if you're if they're that powerful, just by building some stuff on Earth, um, you you sort of get like what what, what means anything? You know what I mean? Like uh, the, you're mm-hmm. constantly widening the parameters of a thing just to have some fun. And, you know, advance whatever story you think you're telling, but mm. it's got to work, right? It's got to be part of um, this universe. What I'll, I'll contrast this with a Davies story a little bit, which yeah. uh, I was actually just reminded of because it was the Christmas season. It's the next doctor. Mm. And this involves Cybermen stranded kind of in the Victorian London. And they're kind of working with what they've got, right? They have these cyber shade things that look thrown together. They have the cyber King that's, kind of a steam engine version of a so- giant Cyberman, which is kind of nuts, mm-hmm. but it, but it's like, Oh, I get it. Yeah. Like they can't just instantly have a cyber empire that they built in, in secret, right? Like they've got to work with what, what's going on here. Um, and I like that. I like seeing the monsters challenged and thinking on their feet and 
um, kind of almost a little bit like underdogs because that's kind of what I, f- I feel like you want to do with some of these classic monsters. And Cybermen mm. sort of work well in that sense, right? We've talked about that before, that often when you're the, they're the last band of Cybermen or something, that kind of works for them. But I do think I wouldn't mind seeing that with the Daleks. That's almost looked like what they were trying to do here. You know, they're, they're yeah. throwing together a Dalek empire from spare parts. But and that's that's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah. But then they're yeah. just then uh, one scene, one flip of the switch. They're just regular Daleks, and we're just in a regular invasion scenario. And it's just yeah, huge missed opportunity yeah. to do something a little more interesting. It's a waste, and we were so ready. We were we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> uh, I Q. feel like we've um, we've we've exhausted a lot of criticism, but we 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 have not even talked about the pair of jacks all that much here. <laughs> That we have with uh, Harkness and and Robertson. Yeah, um, I, I'm glad. Them? Let's talk about Captain Jack first of all. Uh, this, this was we we should mention this was sort of John Barrowman's last appearance before he was cancelled by the BBC. Uh, he's basically blacklisted by them now. Though, oh, he is. Some, yes, there was you know allegations of inappropriate touching, which. Um, an inappropriate uh, exposure. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay, I'm yes. Um, I, I've I've haven't kept fully on this, and again, it's a, not a thing. I think we really want to go that, into that deep here on the podcast. No. But um, part part of the the strike against him was that he sort of acknowledges himself in the if you've seen the the ballad of of Russ and Julie that they did right at the end of the uh, RTD era. They did a whole song that was based on a uh, sketch by a British comedian called Victoria Wood and a song called "Let's Do It." Um, it's kind of famous in Britain. Um, and, and they did, you, you may, you may remember this. It's, it's very popular on YouTube, easy to find, but he's sort of, you know, uh, the, there's a line of like, you know, fo- photos of Johnny B, um, you know, I, I can't even say on the air what, the, what they have in the line. <laughs> well, I can imagine. Uh, this- <laughs> well, but like listen, he he kind of winks at the camera at that moment so look, you know. i'm not here to pass judgment on anybody yeah. i think you know you could i'm sure he I, i've actually read he's, he's sort of apologized and yes um you know I, I can't um i can't get on board with i don't know i i, I don't yeah. know the details of everything but i just i can't get on board really either way like whatever mm-hmm. happened happened and uh, all I can talk about is the character of Captain Jack, and right. and the thing I mean, is, like, just, I think yeah. Captain Jack here, um, is one of his better appearances. I, I think he is super fun. Um, there's a lot of plot issues with his busting the Doctor out, uh, mm. and that, I can get into that. But mostly, I think Jack works here in, in that he does, yeah, and he especially works. And I want to say thank you to the randomizer again for taking us to earlier Captain Jack, and specifically to to the Master Trilogy and Last of the Time Lords, where they very much get at the fact that Jack is not actually a full on fixed point in time; he will age, right? Right, and, and this was something He's that had I work fig- done. He's had a little bit of work done. You can talk a great exchange of lines with the Doctor there. Um, and, uh, by the way, I like that they play it, that the, that Jack is not interested at all. Doesn't even mention the fact that the doctor is a woman now. Uh, in fact, there's, there's a bit of a hint that he's less into the doctor now, you know, in, in terms of being attracted to her than, than he was when she was a man. Uh, hmm. it's interesting choice. Kind of like that. Um, but also like it, it, the, the, when, when I watched this at the time, I was like, oh, they're, they're sort of ruining it because I, I did I only remember Jack as a fixed point in time. I didn't remember that they'd addressed the aging issue. 
Right. So now I'm fine with it. Now I can look past the fact that he's had a little bit of work done. Um, he does seem it does seem a little bit old in this, a little bit more out of energy than uh, than traditional Jack. Like he's not quite, you know. It's, but watching well, this so closely after the Master Trilogy, it's yeah. It's I mean, I hear you. It is a little bit. He's not bounding around the screen in the same mm-hmm. way, but. What he does really well here, he's the guy who blows things up. And you need yeah. a guy to blow things up in any action adventure romp. And yeah. it also solves the plot issue of like, where is the doctor going to get explosives and who's going to set them off for her? And, you know, when they're dealing with these Daleks and because uh, the doctor doesn't carry weapons. Well, Jack Harkness mm. does. <laughs> and mm-hmm. He has a square gun, which, by the way, I love seeing again. Don't think you could shoot a Dalek mutant off someone's back with it. Like, just again, you got to be consistent with what you're doing. I mean, it's like, I guess he's a good shoot shot with it and can predict the angle, I guess. Maybe we'll we'll go with that, but kind of a silly thing for pinpoint accuracy. Um, But he works really well. I liked his, I liked his conversation with Yaz better than I liked the Ryan's conversation with the doctor. Definitely. Um, Because mostly they're commiserating over having, you know, feelings and, and, whether it's uh, feelings for the doctor or when the doctor comes in and out of your life and what you get to choose. So he's, he's kind of the very gentle companion coming out of the woodwork saying like, Hey, a a version, not quite what we were saying earlier of like, get over it. But he is a little like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta take the bad with the good here. I mean, she's in your life and that's awesome. Yeah. He really, you nearly need to arrange it so that uh, he's having that conversation with the whole fam because they all seem to be infected. Yeah. By but I guess just giving it to Yaz means that she is putting things in perspective and the other two aren't. And that's why they leave, I guess. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> you could see it that way. I, I, I'll choose to see it that way. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a scene I think that works because we get it. Um, it also is does some good pacing because it's right before they get into the factory in Osaka that's making all the mutants. Mm. So that's all good. One thing that irritated me, even though uh, I didn't, I got to give Barrowman credit because he, he delivers it really, really well, is where he talks about he's immortal and he sort of announces, "I'm Jack Harkness and I'm immortal," which I think is a callback to stuff he said in Torchwood before. Mm. Um, but it is like this. Daleks pausing for the character to make announcements kind of moment. And it is, it's almost like a meta comment that he has. And come on, like, it's just like as an action thing, it's just a bit, it's a bit silly. Yeah. That was one of those moments where it's like, again, I, I, I was suddenly reminded of like parting of the ways and like, Oh yeah, Jack does have these issues with Daleks. Like he has, he has previous, mm. um, and and I love the, the sort of reference to that, but it's not really followed up. Like you don't see yeah. any particular sense of Jack getting his revenge, any fear in his eyes, in particular about dealing with Daleks. Uh, you know, he doesn't. He could have done a, a Chris Eccleston style, like absolutely terrified of these things in Dalek, you know, kind of moment. Uh, I, I th- totally think John Barrowman could have carried that off. Um, but again, another wasted opportunity feels like for you know Captain Jack versus the Daleks. Uh, in yeah, this episode. and it's yeah, because absolutely. he's. And, and do you remember last week we sort of totally forgot? I totally forgot. I'll put this on me. I totally forgot that Captain Jack was in this, and I thought that it was just Chris <laughs> North's character. I thought it was just Mister Big because they well, are kind of samey in a yeah, way. Yeah, well, really speaking of people who, the... who have been canceled, right? Um, so let's move <laughs> yeah, on to indeed. the other Jack. So Chris indeed. North, who probably <clears throat> won't be asked back, unfortunately. Again, let's talk about <clears throat> that. The better, but mm. 
I, I I actually thought Robertson works better here than he did in Arachnids of the UK, where he's 100%. just full on annoying. And it's better that like I hated in Arachnids of the UK, where they actually name check Trump for a bunch of reasons. Mm-hmm. I think it's just dumb because I think the audience could figure out what this guy's about without actually getting it spelled out for him. It also dates that episode, yep. um, which is always a bad call. I mean, not always, but uh, it, it was a bad call in that case. And here and it brings I like- up too many questions. Like we, we, you know, either stick to your alternate timeline where you have different prime ministers and presidents or right. stick to our timeline, you know, pick a, pick a lane. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I like, and, and to be fair, I, I don't like that Stephen Moffat did it either in, uh, in, you know, pyramid at the end of the world, lie of the land. Like, you know, I didn't vote for the president. He's orange. Um, yeah, that was annoying. I also thought it was a bad idea in, they actually name check Obama even at one point in any mm, time, mm, which was, that, mm. that was Davies come to think of it. So, yeah. um, you don't, Especially don't do that you... doctor who stick to your, <laughs> stick to your own timeline, please. And we'd already have president winters like well, president elect winters as he calls himself, you know, in, in the master trilogy. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry, back, back to, uh, Robertson. Well, I think here it's better. I like that you get to see him being effective, which hmm. is to say he's diabolical. He's organizing things around this, uh, you know, uh, hijacking or, or, um, uh, grabbing parts or and design from this Dalek to create his defense drone program. Um, so you sort of get what he's all even more uh, of what he's about, like way, way more than you get from Ryan on what he's been mm. doing. Uh, you get a lot of what uh, Jack Robertson's been doing and his relationship with the British prime minister. So they're kind of like these two peas in a evil pod mm. and she gets to smack him around a little bit in the forest uh, just verbally. So that's good. Um, and then he gets to really show his true colors on that. He's going to sell out the human race to the, like, mm-hmm. he knows these, who's going to win. And he wants to be on the winning side so much that he's going to like, even the Daleks are a little dumbfounded. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to sell s- out your own race. It's like, yeah, totally. Ooh, it's interesting. A piece of work, isn't he? We, we totally expect him to get exterminated at that point because we've seen that character, before a lot in Doctor Who, the character who will sell out the whole human race to the Daleks, right? I mean, I, I, don't, I yeah. don't know if you have anyone particular coming to mind from the classic series, but it seems like a trope. It um, is, but I like this trope, and I wish they'd even yeah. made it more explicit in the callback to Genesis of the Daleks, because obviously this is how the Daleks began, with Davros selling out his entire race to yeah. advance the Daleks. And it's like, there's a there's a bit of an echo here. With Robertson doing that. And it's interesting. I got to say, I admire the bold choice to have him large and in charge at the end that he has won Mm. in a sense because his reputation is skyrocketed because he's taken the credit for getting rid of the invasion. Smart. Yeah, it does subvert the trope, which is great. I do think it's a little weird that he's given an exclusive interview to Emily uh, Maitlis on on Newsnight, which is a a, (laughs) a, like she's an actual uh, presenter. It's a real TV show, and and by the way, it's on at like eleven p.m. So I don't know why you know Graham and Ryan are turning it off and then going straight to meeting the Doctor uh, at like. Olympia at night when it's it should be way past Graham, Graham's bedtime. Special edition. Um, it's a special edition of the program. <laughs> I guess it's, it's news day special. <laughs> news night the next morning. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. You just have right, you know, uh, Graham go off and be like, "Oh no, it's it's time for my it's bedtime. I can't go with you this time, Doctor." Um, 
a bit of a weird choice. But yeah, also I, I do like that they subvert that 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 classic trope. I also like there's a bit of a glass onion vibe if you've seen that movie, the the Knives Out sequel, which is sort of like I know, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Well, hold, a bit on. Of a sort of... hold on. Don't give me a spoiler. I don't want <laughs> okay. the spoiler. I have not seen the movie. I'm going to see it someday. <laughs> All right. I'm going to make a completely unrelated point, um, which is that rich people are dumb. Um, and uh, <laughs> yes, that, that is my point. It's no way related to Glass Onion. Um, forget <laughs> that I ever, you, you will forget that I said the words Glass Onion. Um, anyway, rich people are dumb. And I, I sort of like that they have this. Um, uh, Robertson kind of really put that on full display with like, he just doesn't get the TARDIS. He yeah. doesn't get the concept and they, they kind of reference it in, in the show, which I, I thought, thought was nice. Like he's still, when he gets out of the TARDIS at the other end, it's like, what even happened? We were in my corridor. I don't get it. It's, he doesn't even get to say the words that it's bigger on the inside because his brain is broken. <laughs> you just want to see the cops from Black Orchid come in here. Come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, come, we got this bigger. in 1925. <laughs> <laughs> there's our randomizer connection like boom yes indeed but also the you know the randomizer is definitely playing this notion of who is a companion is it anyone who's taking a trip in the town right. is robertson a companion he's he's a massive companion he's he took he did a couple trips in the tardis yeah. it's like oh wow he's up there with uh sarah kingdom he's he's yes. in the tardis in an epic dalek adventure except he comes out unscathed yeah, I really feel like as as Doctor Who fans, we all need like a massive constitutional convention. Basically, we all get together, and this is going to be one of the first questions that we have to decide once and for right. all: who is a companion? Obviously, the new show is sort of messed with the classic concept of like you just take a trip in the TARDIS and you're a companion. Um, right. You know, and and maybe also <laughs> messed with the classic uh, ver- series' own version of that, as we saw in Black Orchid. You know, it does include many more people if you make it that definition. So we got to come nice. up with a new definition. Subject of our next TikTok live. There we Let's go. Let's do it. What's a companion? What isn't? That's a very important question to mm. answer. But guys, Ooh. I feel the second are, coming on. There are many other questions. Well, a few. That we also have to answer before we get out of this podcast. And those are the four questions to Doomsday. First question, which we've already just kind of answered, but there's probably more to say. Why did the randomizer take us here? Well, first of all, you literally referenced this episode, I believe. Uh, in, did I? in the show. Yeah. I believe you mentioned the return of Captain Jack in in this story uh i can't remember the context but um you know you you definitely i it was a bit chilling when i re-listened to the black orchid podcast there are probably people you know screaming at their phones right now because because i said i said if they ended up being charged for murder and locked up captain jack could come and bust them out because he's actually on earth in 1925 yes yeah that's right. You had Captain Jack breaking the Doctor out of jail decades early. Oh, that's right. I called it. I called you it. Did. Sorry, you did. You did. So we <laughs> we got to be welcome. very <laughs> we got to be very careful what you say about the randomizer because it is listening. And listening. Uh, yeah, I know. I feel like we need a mute button on our podcast interface for like when we want to talk behind the randomizer's yeah, back. Or, that's that's the best connection. I I just broadly had the contrast of. Black Orchid, which is kind of like laid back, um, 
you know, it's all about fun and just partying. Whereas this one's about fun, but it's high octane fun. So the mm. the pacing and the adrenaline level is on the opposite end of the scale. Um, so it's basically the randomizers pacing us. <laughs> and then we needed we had something light, and now we needed something whoa, super uh, super energetic. So okay, yeah, that was definitely a Doctor and Holiday story. And I guess the, the doctors. You know, it, given the way the fam treats it, it certainly seems like the doctor's time in prison was a vacation. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, space jail for ten months sounds like fun. We've just been hanging around here in Sheffield, having <laughs> lives, eating chips, <laughs> going out, meeting people. Like, yeah, <laughs> Sheff- Sheffield's one doctor. It's a hell. Um, How could you leave us here? <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's sort of a it's definitely uh, a a contrast with the the short trip taken in Black Orchid with the policeman. Right. Where the doctor's like, "Oh yeah, I could just run you up to the mansion." No what? You know, hmm. uh, we we sort of had that notion of like, well, the, the doctor at the very start of the episode could not pilot the TARDIS. Um, you know, and here you have the issue of the TARDIS turning up late, uh, 10 months too late and, you know, another another issue of definitely getting into this question. Uh, and the randomizer loves the TARDIS. We know that. And like I said, this is the story that you want to go to if you like the warp warp noises mm. and you want minutes worth of them because it happens again and again and again. They get very drawn out. Uh, the doctor's really leaving the handbrake on this time. Well, the randomizer uh, loves the TARDIS, but it hates it TARDIS impersonators. So <laughs> it's the fact that the other TARDIS gets like winked out of existence in this one, yes. like the randomizer, yeah. I'm sure, was cheering like, yeah, you fake. Get out yeah, of we, here. the randomizer loves tiny TARDISes as well. It, it's sort of you know because of uh, Planet of Giants, uh, it has not yet taken us to Flatline, but we've made many references to it. <laughs> and here, here is tiny Origami TARDIS, where it fold, I love the way that it folds up when all the Daleks are inside it, like it's turning itself into an Origami crane or something. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lovely effect. If only they could have found the door control. But that older TARDIS, it's just it's in a weird spot. It's like one of the tiny switches. They couldn't get their uh, plungers around it. I, know. I love I love that it's basically, it's a honey trap for, for Doctor Who fans. Basically, all of these Daleks <laughs> are major Who fans. They want to go into this fake TARDIS. They're like, wait a minute, this is not the control room I wanted to be photographed in. Explain, explain. <laughs> awesome. All right. That's a lot. That's a lot of connections for the randomizer. So I think we can move on to the second question which is what if the evil plot had succeeded okay so who's who's is the evil plot this is often a problem that we have i guess you have two (coughs) excuse me but they're nearly identical in terms of result Mm. right because it's you have the defense drone daleks the double d daleks which want to exterminate all of humanity and turn the earth into new scarrow essentially Mm. or the defense drone Oh, sorry, the Death Squad Daleks and their quote-unquote evil plot is to destroy all the impure Daleks. But as a bonus, they'll also conquer the Earth. Um, but the, so, there's also the there's the evil plot of Jack and Joe, you know, Robertson and uh, the Prime Minister, yeah. um, which if their well, their plot sort of did succeed. It just well, it, they didn't know that there was another plot layered on top of it. Yeah, I think that would have that's a better evil one to go with because mm. I think what seems to happen right is like the Doctor is about to unmask the Daleks, 
So they don't make this explicit, but my what I'm taking from it is their plan. They the Daleks execute on their plan then faster than they were planning to. Because if you think mm. about it, it doesn't make sense. Like they're they're showing their hand way too early. Like they've only just been deployed, and now they're going to take over the world. And it's like, well, why not just pretend your defense drones for a year or two so yeah. you can get worldwide deployment and then uh and and clone a few more a hundred a billion more daleks and then take yeah. over the earth that's a lot easier right and maybe think a little bit more about your marketing you know maybe they can ad- adapt your your double d idea you know that's much <laughs> more much better I, i'm really thinking like you know they they need like 50s jackets like you know, fifties high school jackets, you know, like a little double D logo on it. I'm just picturing these, <laughs> you know, these Daleks with like bomber jackets on. And they're like, hey, you know, maybe they're doing some finger clicking. Yeah, little side you story put like a style. D within a D. You know, exactly. Doing exactly. the graphic design in my head here. Yeah. 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 Cut to the Dalek bowling team. Um, Mm-hmm. <laughs> the double the double D's undefeated because they destroy the pins every time. Um, <laughs> love that idea yeah yeah you really really they weren't thinking this through and perhaps that yeah. was the human impurity that that made them do that and uh, by the way we didn't we didn't touch on this at all but it we i think we we've actually touched on it in another podcast which is to say does no one remember doomsday or the stolen earth I, like right. why would you make defense drones that look almost identical to these things that invaded the earth a couple times um and yeah, but the crack in time or whatever you, yes. you know, we, we we did this with the the lie of the land. You like this whole fact that people just don't remember the alien invasions, and and it's part of it's not even like fixing the the timeline. Part of it's just that humans forget, which is what Moffat is suggesting, lie of the land. But <laughs> got some real forgetting of history in this one. Yeah, I mean, it's the vagueness, like it's like the vagueness thing you were talking about with Chibnall. Yeah. Like they're trying to think that. Um, our alien invasion is really this vague, and in the yeah. classic series, at least, they were never really public, and you could kind of believe the Pertwee era a little bit, notwithstanding. And I talked about mm. that at the time, where there's like a few public things that they seem to acknowledge, and then they go back to it all being secret. Um, yeah, again, I don't think it ruins the episode at all. I just think it's it's a thing that I I, I appreciated Moffat kind of explaining with the cracks in time. But I think mm. you kind of every now and then need another explanation just to keep it fresh. Like there's some weird space time reboot mm. that sort of happens every now and then with the earth and what really happened. Did we really explore Mars before we met the ice war, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Like we all want it to happen in the same universe, but you know, as we all know, <laughs> it can't really, because all this stuff just is so contradictory. Um, I, kind of, I kind of almost want them to cut to like one guy with a Twitter account with 48 followers who's just sort of screaming into the void of like, has nobody got any memory of these things? They've invaded us multiple <laughs> times. Come on, people. And he's got like two retweets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. So anyway, did we, did we answer the question? What what if the evil plot had succeeded? Um, I guess we're going with Robertson. Yeah. And, which is ultimately becomes the double D Daleks evil plot succeeding, yes. right? Because if their plot succeeds, they're deployed real war, worldwide. Right. And the they Daleks, get new Scarrow. Yeah, they get new Scarrow. And that probably becomes a more formidable thing that the Daleks mm. would have trouble purifying, presumably. Mm. So, huh. Would have been interesting if only the Earth wasn't completely destroyed by it. <laughs> that. 
that plot. Yeah. Uh, let's do it on another planet, though, because I kind of want to see that version of uh, the Doctor Who universe where there are uh, you expand on what sort of was going on in Remembrance of the Daleks, where you have two very active factions of Daleks that are essentially at war with each other, and that's just sort of happening mm. in the background. I, I do like this is another reason for the randomizer to take us here so soon after the master trilogy where the, the master wants to turn earth into new Gallifrey and here, yeah. here's the earth becoming new Scaro the earth prime real estate if you want to rebuild your empire uh, from your the smoking ruins of your home planet hmm. uh, come come to earth folks do it <laughs> all right who else came to earth or somewhere else in this story <laughs> could it have been perhaps one Clara Oswald splintered in time from the end of the name of the doctor. Got the episode right. Finally. Yes. <laughs> well done. It was the name of the doctor. And but the she question, did step. The question, I should <laughs> do it in the form of a question. Where is the Clara splinter? Wait, do I have to do my answer in the form of the question? Is this actually jumping? <laughs> no. Um, Good. <laughs> what, what, what is uh, Clara Oswald not being on screen at all? Um, yeah, it's. I guess maybe she she could have set up the the Osaka facility. Uh, may, yeah, maybe she could have. She maybe got taken over by a Dalek much earlier. Um, oh, that's not bad. Mm, but then, how, that, yeah, but how? Because like it's he's got the one clone, right, yeah, that takes over him. So I guess Clara sets up another one. Uh, I guess so. Maybe no, she's in Robertson's pay, and you know, or yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of plot things here to sort of fix, but I don't like ones that require Clara to be sort of on the side of the bad guys. Yeah, that's so I would favor Clara being Jack's supplier, essentially. So where is he getting all these explosives, these vortex manipulators, the bubble thingy that he uses to get? Whitaker out of prison mm. um it's never really explained because why would you need to right like i mean mm. I, I i don't know if there it is it is a little convenient that he just has all this stuff but i'm fine with like future clara uh some version some splinter version of her she's some great supplier of gear for righteous causes and she likes captain jack and maybe they've even hooked up who knows um <laughs> oh, but... undoubtedly undoubtedly <laughs> I'm, I'm sure like at least 50 percent of the clara splinters have hooked up with captain jack at some point <laughs> maybe maybe there's a story where captain jack goes and discovers the doctor's timeline on transalord jumps in at himself and uh we could imagine what captain jack would do with that being splintered across time and always showing up with the doctor in every story i would love oh, it that she's the impossible girl for him as well because yes. it's, well, like, it's interesting to parallel with captain jack that he's mm -hmm. immortal even more immortal than the doctor now and we yes. know we'll go on to live much longer i mean you know mm. <laughs> knock on wood doctor mm -hmm. um but uh I, I would love to see again i don't notwithstanding whatever's going on with john barrowman but if that, they ever do return to the character i actually would love to sort of see an older wiser jack at some point because mm. what does jack feel like think about you know thousands of years in the future now that he's had like lifetimes and lifetimes of experience um mm. that might be kind of interesting so yeah. yeah yeah okay okay um i'm i'm here for it and uh i'm also here for the fourth question but i think we we need a a question 4a on this okay usually what what is the rating Okay. Uh, wait, wait, and, wait. But, <laughs> dramatic. <laughs> sorry. So if you say it dramatically, dramatic then, 
<laughs> I, I just wanted us to get straight to the the question yeah. because it's not actually a rating, but the question of uh, what did what did your kids think of this? Oh, yeah. Well, of course, the fourth question, as everyone knows, is the only question. The question that matters most, the question everyone's been waiting for in this podcast is what did we think of this episode and how are we going to rate it? So our rating system here at Pull to Open, of course, has four ratings. First is a Dalek. Apt. <laughs> the apt Dalek. <laughs> the um, apt Dalek. That means it's a good episode. Then there's an Ogron, which is perhaps a not so good episode. Then the Viscount Banger, which we reserve for the best of the best. And then the Professor Hater, which is perhaps a not so good episode. But maybe we learn something from it. Yeah, yeah. Well, while I think of that, <laughs> while I think well, of my we'll response do, to that. We'll do 4A. And uh, my kids yeah. uh, liked it. And Jack said, he, we, "This is it's funny. It's, it's an episode we watched together fairly recently, right? Because this was mm. New Year's 2021. So we all had a memory of having seen it. Um, and Jack said it was better than he remembered. Mm-hmm. And that he, uh, he liked the sort of the, the talk between Jack and Yaz. Which I did, I did too. Um, Grace was really um, freaked out. I could tell. Uh, she's my daughter. She's younger. Mm-hmm. She's she's nine, mm-hmm. and she was freaked out by the horror stuff with the Dalek mutants, which spoke well, I think, for that. This is that was definitely yeah. a hide behind the sofa moment for her. She wow. she expressed herself that she just didn't like it, you know, and that. But I could tell she meant like she was scared, right? Um, so Grace gives it one sofa up. <laughs> exactly and uh she also loves captain jack she thinks he's an awesome character he's super fun uh yeah. she said that repeatedly she just thought it was a really good episode because of him he really has got such an irrepressible enthusiasm i i can see you know uh why, why kids enjoy the character uh and why he works on a different level for you know kids and adults uh mm. interestingly and um but yeah so so they kind of liked it they they liked it better yeah. the second time around. Yeah, they they definitely liked it better the second time around. Mm. I think we we mm. all kind of liked it the first time, and but they were like, oh yeah, better than you know. Like I said, I Jack saying better than I remember, and I will say that that is basically my rating, better than I remember. Yeah. I for Me all too. the issues I have with it, um, and there are many that we've just talked about. I'm giving this one a Dalek. Yeah. Um, it's a a bit of a pu- impure Dalek, certainly. <laughs> It's very, it's got very yeah. flawed DNA. I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a little disgusted with myself that I liked it, but I liked it. It's, it was a fun action adventure. Captain Jack was fun. Um, there was super cinematic stuff. Yeah, problems with the characters, but I, I was pleased to mm. go on this adventure again. Yeah, I mentioned at the top of the show that I was almost thinking Viscount Banger in the, in the first 15 minutes or so. And I think that if you did a few tweaks to it, if you took the Ryan scenes out or made the Ryan's or added a Ryan scene of like, you know, Ryan having a great time with his dad, having Ryan have a great time with his friends, you know, even a montage sequence of Ryan having fun in Sheffield, you know, that that would have vastly improved this mm-hmm. uh, and give it, given those scenes, some emotional weight, you know, you, you could see, you could see your way clear to tweaking this so that it is a Viscount bang. I'm going to say that, mm-hmm. uh, but it clearly isn't. There are just too many scenes that kind of stop you dead. So I'm, I'm going to say it's a double D Dalek. <laughs> All right. Like, it, it's perfect because it has that potential, right? But it may be just sort of an empty casing, but it has right. the potential for, for a mutant to kind of, you know, teleport into it at any moment. 
and level up the playing field, level up the game. Yeah, yeah. I could do it. Um, maybe, maybe it'll happen someday. That's the one we'll do with the, a right, uh, a Dalek invasion of modern world uh, that is just uh, the Viscount Banger. Uh, yeah. Maybe there was one. I don't know. We haven't. We actually haven't done them all. Come to think of it, for the podcast yet. So we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of potential here. A lot of it wasted, but there's enough left over that uh, it gets a two Daleks up. So good stuff. <laughs> two double D Daleks straight up. All right. All right. It's time. time to go. It's time to go. It's time to leave the revolution. Time to go forward in time with the randomizer and find out where we're going next. So the randomizer, of course, consists of two elements. One, the Pull to Open Codex, which is a list of every single televised adventure of Doctor Who, all in sequential order. Um, And we will soon spin up the random elements to find out which one we're going to, sir. Yes. What is that? random.org the website that doesn't use pseudo random algorithms like computers normally do they're they're notoriously terrible at uh true randomness even chat gpt can't do true randomness so we do it with atmospheric noise which is what uh dr mads ha of uh, the School of Computer Sciences and Statistics at Trinity College, Dublin, Ireland. We're giving a shout out as the creator of random.org because we use this every week. Uh, thank you, Dr. Mads. And uh, it uses atmospheric noise, which is so doctorish. Uh, the idea of the doctor just sort of sitting there with the TARDIS, hovering in midair, uh, welcoming Daleks in, uh, uh, talk about atmospheric noise, uh, billions of Daleks in the atmosphere. That would certainly create a random number. Um, Anyway, uh, we are able to plug in a minimum of one and a maximum of how many episodes do we have left? Minus the time-locked ones? Well, minus all the time-locked ones. So our count now is at 233 episodes to choose from. Of course, there's a total of 302. 233 left that we have not done for pull to open the podcast. So those are the numbers that we will enter in the randomizer between 1 and 233. And in this season of pull, this is the first season of pull to open since since the codex was upgraded. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a shiny new special weapons codex uh, <laughs> with the automatic ability to tell you what that number is of Hammond. And, and at first, I was like, "Wow, we've done so many!" Because I'm used to plugging in the number three hundred and two, and now it's two hundred thirty-three. So it's like super excited. We've done like seventy stories on pull to open. That's kind of yeah. cool. But yeah, now. Almost. Now that initial excitement has faded, and now I'm like, oh, <laughs> we have 233 episodes of Pull to Open to go. We still have well over 200. We've got several seasons of the podcast <laughs> left in the future. Uh, but let's We're start excited. advancing toward that future one episode at a time. So are you ready with the well, random elements, sir, with the I, executor? I'm ready with the executor. I've plugged in the numbers, and I'm going to challenge the randomizer. Yes. We, as we mentioned, we do like to give it challenges. My challenge is going to be I'm I've I've got a taste for Dalek episodes and we are kind of running behind on our of the Daleks stories. <laughs> uh, I know I'm playing with fire here because the Dalek invasion of Earth could could come up and the randomizer could punish us. Yeah, that's a long with, one. With that, yeah. As soon as that happens, we're going on vacation, folks. Just wanted you to know. <laughs> we can be on vacation for like a month. We'll have so many uh, special episodes in the interim. No. I, I can't guarantee we'll do that. But yeah, Dalek Invasion of Earth is what we fear the most, uh, <laughs> perhaps. I thought uh, it wasn't the, the Dalek's master plan. 
Uh, sorry, the Dalek Master Plan. Yeah, see, yeah. I'm confusing them already. I, Dalek, I'm Dalek Invasion of Earth is kind of long, though. I mean, it's, it's also episodes, long. So, also, but we've we've done that. We've done Genesis of the Daleks. Sure. We've done six episode Dalek one. Um, but yeah, take us to a and uh, take us to a Dalek banger, please. Ooh, Mr. Yeah, Randomizer, sir. Let's do it. So I'm going to jump off of a comment we got on our TikTok live. And merge that with something my daughter talked about in this episode. So on the TikTok live prior to the broadcast, um, someone mentioned The Empty Child as their favorite episode. It's yeah. a great uh, bit of horror, Doctor Who. And Grace was set off a bit, like I said, about the horror in this episode in Revolution of the Daleks. Take us to something scary. I want some horror movie Doctor Who, something sort of maybe from the Philip Hinchcliffe era or the empty mm. child or something. Give me something scary. We've done a lot. We've done blank. Mm. You know, we've, we've done image of the Fendall and some of these yeah. sort of more Halloweeny episodes, but there's more. So give me something That's right. scary. Take us to fear her randomizer. <laughs> Could be. We got to get that one over with sometime. <laughs> we do. I'll be so glad once we do. Um, all right. We're ready. We're ready. Give you a countdown. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Four, three, two, one spoilers 177 we're in new who we are and we're at another holiday special the doctor the widow and the wardrobe wow okay okay so we should have challenged the randomizer to give us another holiday special uh forgot to do that but yeah here we are working our way through here the holiday are. specials it's we're in a constant state of christmas here and, and it's uh, good yeah. that, uh, to see that the randomizers aversion to Matt Smith is yes. studying a little bit because he's one of the underrepresented doctors. We've had he's a lot very, of Capaldi. Um, very un- yeah. underrepresented. Maybe the randomizer has been, uh, Millie Brown has sort of influenced the randomizer with her, you know, talking about how hot Matt Smith is. Uh, <laughs> we talked about that last week. Uh, maybe the randomizer is like, yeah, yeah, he's pretty hot and he's particularly hot in this episode. So we will be rating the hotness of Matt Smith. Yeah, he's um, hot in the cold of the snow planet, which turns out to snow, be yeah. one of the Androzani things, which is another thing. Oh, yeah, you thought I was nitpicky here. Oh, boy. Just, just teasing you. Just teasing you. I won't get that crazy. But this is, to- it's going to be such an interesting one because I think I can barely remember the plot of this. I think I was probably, it was a Christmas Day one, right? And so I was probably so drunk at this, this point. Is a I fun just don't one. remember. We, I've definitely returned to it a few times for uh, yeah. holiday viewings over the years uh, with mm. the family. So I'm very familiar with it. Um, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be, I haven't seen it in a couple of years. Um, yeah, it'll be a good one to go back to. Bring it on. All right, guys, we will see you then next week when we come back and talk about the doctor, the widow in the wardrobe on the podcast, Pull to Open, which, yes, is a podcast, a thing that you subscribe to on a podcast app, but it's also a YouTube series slash podcast so you can subscribe to there in fact even if you do subscribe on your podcast app we'd love it if you go over to youtube also give us a follow there that would be awesome and you might even want to turn on notifications for when we have new content if that's the primary way you want to encounter us because we have all of our short videos and all of our plot summaries there too we're on tiktok of course at pull to open all one word and we're doing tiktok lives every week right before we tape the episode so please come and join us there interact with us and let us know what you think of the podcast and what you'd like to see we're also on twitter and instagram on both at pull to open 63 drop us a line there and wherever you are whatever you're doing 
enjoy the awesomeness that is the program <laughs> Doctor Who. Yes, indeed. Uh, come, come follow us. Come into our TARDIS. We promise we won't origami you while you're in there. And uh, every every billionth follower gets a double D Dalek special jacket. So uh, look out for that. Okay. Take care, guys. We'll see you next time. 